What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 267th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. It's super effective. I forgot to say that. With me today, I have Will. So is this the week where the, I'm always right, or I forgot to check the notes to see who was going to be right and who's going to be wrong this week? I guess we're going to have to wing it. Well, you know, the ongoing debate never ends, Will. That's, that's, that's why the thing. it's the ongoing debate as that opposed is. to the finalized debate. This, uh, <laughs> uh, let's save it. We'll save it for later. I also have Travis. I am ready to Magikarp jump for joy at all of the great things that are going to happen in this episode. Good, good. You know, this is a really great year so far. Gen Con tickets are now available. Event tickets, I should say. Uh, we finally got our first kind of decent Pokemon game that isn't that spinoff game, I should say, because a lot of the spinoff games are bad. Final Fantasy expansion comes out in 20 days. Destiny comes out later this year. I'm real. So far, so good is what I like to say. If you are just joining us, if this is your first episode of It's Super Effective, welcome. We have an interview with Braxton Burks a little bit later on. Braxton made a lot of Pokemon music, not official music, but orchestrated music, has done a couple Kickstarters, has a Kickstarter going on right now. Uh, we'll talk about it more during the interview, but if you're sitting at a computer, if you're not in a vehicle moving, you well, can- Well, you can be a passenger. You can be a pa- if you're Yeah. If you're not driving, if you're- Let's really your- get into this. <laughs> On your computer, hanging out, looking at Kickstarter, you can search for Johto Legends, and that'll get you to Braxton's newest Kickstarter, which ends in a couple days. But some really great stuff. The interview we have a little bit later on, you can check the you can check the show notes for the time that starts at. Braxton also gave us some early samples of the music that will be on that album. So we'll have a couple 20 to 30 second segments sprinkled throughout that interview for you to hear. Ooh, watch the ISE break throne, Nick Burgess. (laughs) So uh, can I help some some of the people who are driving now and not passengers in cars? Yeah, help help them. Turn left right now. Everybody be quiet for a minute. All right, ready? Hey Siri, search Kickstarter for Johto Legends. (laughs) All right. Doesn't Hey That'll Siri do only work if you have your voice? Apple. Isn't it supposed to work like that? Oh, no, no. Hey Siri is dumb. Oh. <laughs> Alexa, Wait. add Soylent to my wish list. Wait, no, no, no. Alexa, search Kickstarter for Johto Legends. There, I've already helped out a whole other group of people who are too lazy Alexa to get off has their a, couch. has a web browser. Uh, I don't think they can like... the integration. I don't yeah, because re- isn't Alexa just like a tube that talks to you? Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like two it's just a tube. It's that like talks two cans of soup. But I never a- I've never asked it to search for something. I'm usually like, "Alexa, what's the weather?" or "Alexa, what's the news?" or "Alexa, how Alexa, how long will it take for me to get to work?" It it can do that. But it knows where you work. Well, yeah, you originally tell it. You tell it where you work. It knows where it is, so then it'll say like, "It takes 34 minutes with current traffic." I don't think that would work for me. I think it would. 
I don't see why no, not. No, because uh, the name of the place that I work is most commonly associated with a set of buildings. It's about a mile away from where I actually work. And when mm. you're in the district, that's uh, a significant distance. I hear the kids call it the D, not the district. They do not. Oh, okay. <laughs> never, never mind. If they're going to call it anything, they'll call it the DMV, but they do not call it the D. Nobody, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You can tell if somebody you can tell if somebody is actually from DC is if they say DC or if they say the district. If somebody says I'm from Washington DC, then you know they're not. Okay. All right, good to know. We got a lot we got a lot to talk about today. We got some Pokemon news, some regarding uh Pokemon Go, the new movie, Magikarp Jump, of course, and that'll probably be what we spend a lot of time on is Magikarp Jump. And then we have the interview with Braxton uh, very Pokemon-focused. He also gives us some behind-the-scenes of Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, which was the official Pokemon uh, music tour that happened. And so he has some insight on that. And then after... that, That's a very Pokemon-heavy interview. So really, really great one. Braxton's a really great dude. Then after that, we have some emails, which uh, one email might spark the anime debate again. I know that was a hot topic in Slack this past week. And then we have our Pokemon of the week. So that's our show for you guys today. Uh, we can just dive right into Pokemon news. First bit of news being Pokemon the movie I Choose You to debate to debate to debut in Paris on July 6th. Uh, Pokemon the movie I Choose You will debut at, at the Japan Expo in Paris on July 6th. The movie will not air in Japan until July 15th. The movie's director... Uh, Japanese name that I would butcher, and Ash's Japanese voice actor, Rika Masutomo, it's a little bit easier than that first name, will be at the event. The announcement also states that Pikachu will be present, presumably referring to an entertainer in a Pikachu costume. The airing will use Japanese audio but include French subtitles. Uh, that news is off Bulbapedia. Pikachu will be present, eh? I think this is the first movie that is not debuting in Japan. I think you're right, but I don't know for certain. I'll be curious how good that movie is compared to past movies, because this is the first movie that has, I don't know, source material. It's based off of something that's already existed. It is, but um, it, I mean, it just generally the, the trailers have looked like it's going to be better, but it's probably just going to be the same formula as usual. Dark Rai shows at least up. Everybody dark. goes into a panic. Dark Hot dog shows machine up. goes wild. Somebody turns into a licking tongue. Lick, licky tongue. Licky licky. No, they no, don't turn a into a lick a tongue. They turn into a lick a licky. Don't isn't it a yes. shiny lick a licky too? Because isn't no, it no, yellow? No. Uh, is is? Uh, no, I, no, I might be making that up. Maybe it's just because I really like shiny lick a licky. It's like one of the only yeah, good shinies in the entire game. We're get, getting carried away here. <laughs> what a Pokemon. Victini to be available at Pokemon Center stores in Japan. For Japanese listeners here, Victini will be distributed for Pokemon Sun and Moon at Pokemon Centers and Pokemon stores throughout Japan from June 30th to September 3rd. This distribution is to promote the reopening of Pokemon Center Tohoku. The Pokemon Center Tohoku will close its current shop and wander AER location on June 16th and reopen at Sendai Parco on June 30th. Some Victini. I do like me a Victini. Got some more news here. We're getting all this little news out of the way and building up to the big news. Yokohama 
Yokohama overflows with 1,500 Pokemon in 2017's, quote, Pikachu Outbreak. This is off Crunchyroll.com. The Pokemon Company and the city Yokohama are once again teaming up for Pikachu Outbreak. And this time, the annual event will feature some 1,500 costume Pikachus on the march, an increase of 50% from last year. The event entitled Pikachu Dake Janai, Pikachu Dai Tahari Hasinichu, which is, which in English which, is, which as we all know, my Japanese is on point here. Uh, in English, that's not just Pikachu, the Pikachu Outbreak Chu. Uh, we'll take over <laughs> the, <laughs> we'll take over the Mintaro Mirani district in Yokohama City. In Japan, from August 9th through the 15th, the 2017 Pikachu outbreak will include stage shows, a carnival-themed parade featuring some 100 costume Pikachu on the march, and a water-themed soaking wet splash show. Take that in, Will. Which proved popular during the last outbreak in 2016, the whole Mintaro Mira area including the sky and sea will be decorated with pikachu so tourists will have a lot of photo opportunities during this time what an event yeah i'm i'm very confused about what pikachus have to do with splashing other than the little pikachu who sits by my pool and magikarp jump but how many well, emails t- do you think we're gonna get where people are gonna say it's supposed to be pikachu not pikachus because the plural of pikachu is pikachu uh probably like two maybe okay I was just wondering what the over and under was on that. Let me recheck the article. I mean, I, I add, bet the I, I bet add, the article I bet the article adds an S. That's no, my guess. I'm not seeing any S's in the article. I probably Ooh. got carried away. My Japanese tongue was taking over and mixing and matching. There's mm-hmm. only t- there's ah. only t- <laughs> there's only two photos in in this article. One photo is what looks to be a parade, like the Macy's Day Parade, just with nothing but Pikachu's. You mean Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And the, the second... There's no such thing as Macy's Day. <laughs> Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. Yeah. It's where we all eat designer shirts. Uh, the second photo is <clears throat> 20 or so Pikachu in a boat. I don't know who's operating this boat. I don't know if any of these Pikachus have a license, a water license, but they fit a lot of them in a, in a boat. The boating license test was like the only test I ever failed in grade school i I mean i failed other tests but that was like the only important test i ever failed i was really sad because everybody else got their boating license and i didn't i don't know if that's a true story or not oh it's true (laughs) why wouldn't it be true i don't know Hmm. is boating big in michigan Uh, i mean there's a lot of water and not a lot else yeah you guys got the good side we got the we got the polluted side over here in milwaukee (laughs) yeah lake michigan on this end is pretty beautiful Friend of the show, Allegra Frank, she never seems to disappoint here with Pokemon News articles. If there's one thing we can count on from Allegra, she pumps out Pokemon News like no one else. She has the deep cut here. Titled, The Pokemon Anime Just Aired Its Most Ridiculous Episode Yet! Baseball brings out the best and worst in all of us. There have been plenty of silly Pokemon episodes throughout the years, but Pokemon Sun and Moon latest may be the best of them all. The series' 28th episode aired in Japan earlier today, and Twitter is having a field day over how weird it is. So just a spoiler, if, uh, if you're, 
you know, if you want that deep anime lore, not to yeah, you don't to... want you don't want the twist ending spoiled. Okay. <laughs> the basic plot of the episode, according to fansite Pokemon Master Go's recap, is that Ash's Pokemon School in the Alola region is visited by a baseball master. Naturally, this leads to some extremely intense Pokemon-infused ball games. Pokemon Sun and Moon's new animation style has been polarizing with longtime fans for the Pokemon anime franchise. And the reasons for that are displayed throughout this episode. Episode 28 is no, has no interest in playing it straight. As a parody of one of Japan's biggest sports, this installment, installment's modus operandi. That's probably something I, I, I don't modus know. Modus operandi. There you Have go. you heard people say like, oh, that's my MO? That's what oh, MO stands for. Oh, I never knew that. I, I like I've heard MO, but I didn't know right. it stood for that. Uh, seems to be go big or go home. The scene goes straight up Dragon Ball Z with how into the game Ash and Kiwami, one of the Alola trial and trials, get. That's uh, one thing I will say about these Sun and Moon anime is they are not afraid to put a lot of facial animations in. Faceimations, as we call them in the bits. <laughs> Got it, yes. Uh, there's a bunch of screenshots here from it, and then uh, the article here closes. Personally, we are also big fans of Sun and Moon's jokey tone. This ba- the, this baseball episode is the is what makes everything so fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Pokemon is fun. The anime isn't in the wrong for reminding us of that. It definitely knows how to get serious when it needs to. And the theme song, the English theme song, is growing on me. I hated it at first. The Japanese one has. I loved from the start, and it continues to be really great. And the ending song is so adorable. I can't say one way or the other. Black and White has a pretty good theme song. Yeah. <laughs> also, that I can say. Yeah. The whole Pikachu not giving Pat Rat a high five, really good. <laughs> I never even noticed that. In the for those who want to go back and watch the Pokemon Black and White anime in the theme song, which is pretty enjoyable. You can find it the theme song on YouTube. You don't That's have to true. watch the whole. Yeah, cartoon. you don't have to. You don't have to suffer through black and white. There's like a whole bunch of basic black and white Pokemon, like Pat Rat and whatever else you see on the first couple of routes. And Pikachu's like running towards them, and they're all like excited. And then Pat Rat goes for a high five, and Pikachu no, no, just no, no. Pikachu just leaves. Incorrect. Leaves Pat Rat hanging dry. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Patrat just waves hello. No, he's going for a high five. <laughs> There's not a doubt in my mind. That's like that's like in real life when you're going for a high five and the other person doesn't notice it, so you're like trying to play it off as a wave. Don't cover for Pat Rat. He knows that it's a high five and he's like trying to play it off. Hey, it's not always black and white. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, we boy. always know what's right. Your heart always knows what's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I no, I always know what's right. Screw the heart. <laughs> P- Pikachu was busy, all right? <laughs> yeah, Can we talk we... about the new main series Pokemon game that just came out, Magikarp Jump? No, not no. yet, not yet. We got okay. we got to talk about last year's Pokemon game, Pokemon Go. Allegra Frank blessing us with two articles this week. Pokemon Go's anti-cheating update Hides rare finds from view. This article has been updated since it's uh, been originally published. But I wanted to bring this up because this addresses the, the cheating in Pokemon Go. Uh, several Pokemon players are reporting they can no longer find anything but the most common monsters in their game. The reason? 
Niantic has flagged accounts that use unofficial trackers or other software, resulting in a widespread shadow ban. That's the term that several Pokemon Go communities are using for the action Niantic appears to have taken to curb cheaters for the mobile game. A player doesn't know that they've been flagged by the developer as they are still able to play the game and find Geodude, Pidgey, Ekans, or other common Pokemon. Let me stop you right now, Allegra. Ekans is not common. I've seen like one. <laughs> but okay. I'm sure it's re- I'm sure there's a, there are regional differences. Like apparently, if you live in like on like the west side of the U.S., like Sandshrew is like the most common thing you will ever find, and that's just not the case here up in the chilly Midwest. Yeah, I'm sure like New Mexico Ekans or Arizona Ekans are everywhere. That'd be my right. guess at least. But more uncommon Pokemon finds no longer show up in the in-game tracker according to players who admit from using bots or third-party tools. In the past, Niantic has outright banned Pokemon Go players who relied on outside trackers while playing the game. The difference this time around uh, is that it appears to be evidence of new automated banning systems. Quote, It is our opinion that we may be witnessing the beginning of a machine learning approach to bot detection, wrote a wrote a user from the Silk Road subreddit, quote, if the parameters for a shadow ban are consistently adjusted server size, as they can now easily be, then Niantic's machine learning engineers can train their, their detection algorithms in ever-approving, ever-more-aggressive ways, and bottlers will consistently... Sorry, bottlers. Those people <laughs> recycling. And, <laughs> and botters will consistently be forced to reevaluate what factors may be triggering the detection botting not bottling and independent trackers have been long have been a long polarizing subject with pokemon go players while bots used to poach rare pokemon level up quickly and camp out gyms are typically revealed there are some who find them essential to getting the enjoyment out of the game after niantic disabled the own games tracker last summer third-party mapping services cropped up and many players rely on them to find out more Pokemon. The developer has cracked down on these tools, however, furthering angering, further angering fans. Uh, there's some more to the article, but I just want to read the update here. Update, Niantic didn't confirm that this method is currently in effect, but the company has told Polygon in a statement that it is consistently working on anti-cheat measures. Quote, Niantic is committed to man- maintaining the state of Pokemon Go and our community of trainers, a representative said, quote, people who violate the Pokemon Go terms and service, including by using third-party software or the other cheats may have their gameplay affected and may not be able to see all the Pokemon around them. While we cannot discuss the systems implemented, we can confirm there are consistently that we are consistently refining new ways to ensure the integrity of the games in order to keep it fun and fair for all players, end quote. So, I don't know if you both are playing Pokemon Go. I've, I've played so much Go in the last two weeks because of Adventure Week and... Because your watch works now. Because And my watch works, which is just incredible. It's so great to mow the lawn and turn on the watch and get the steps and hatch the eggs. Ah, it's fantastic. I love it so much. But I, I've always been on the stance of liking games that have server-side restrictions. Obviously, there will always be somebody who gets through, and that has to be adjusted. That has to be fixed. I've talked about in the past where games like Overwatch or Diablo 3 or World of Warcraft, Destiny, Final Fantasy 14, these are all games that rely on servers that makes it very hard to cheat. I've been told that people have cheated in Overwatch and, and 
Blizzard is really good on getting rid of those cheaters, removing them from the game, banning them, patching that, fixing. Of course, this applies for Pokemon Go since that stuff is server-based as well. No one's RNGing or, or software setting for Pokemon and Pokemon Go. No one's encountering a Charizard, not being able to catch it, powering off their iPhone, turning it back on to try to re-catch that Charizard again. I think that's why I like Pokemon Go so much is it feels like there is that that opportunity for something to get away from you. Like a Skarmory that I saw and threw a Pokeball and then it ran away and I was legit upset because that's the only Skarmory I've ever seen. The only Skarmory you've ever seen in your entire life? In my entire life. But wow. I've been I've been told Pikachu in person will be at the Paris event. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> So it, am so, I hearing it correctly that they're actually so it, when they say third party tracking software, they're talking about like those websites that a- access like I guess some sort of API and then show where all of the Pokemon in your vicinity are. Like they're not talking about like for example the Silk Roads um, Nest Almanac or whatever they call it. Are they? No, no, they're not talking about Nest charts. Because that's just a website you go to, people report that, you know, Squirtle are spawning here. Maybe in two weeks, that nest changes to Geodude. Uh, yeah, okay. they're not talking about that. I would say, because if, if that were the case and they were banning people just for, like, going to a lot of nests, that would <laughs> seem ludicrous to me. But, it, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's like, sure, I get the argument that the game was, it was... It was easier to find specific Pokemon when the game had stronger tracking functionality, and I get that third-party websites and things like that make it, can sort of replace that old tracking system, but to me it's like, you're using a third-party thing that makes it way easier for you than other people. I get it. And botting, like, gosh, of, of, of course that would warrant some sort of action. As an iPhone user and also somebody who doesn't jailbreak or modify software, I can't really speak to this as as well as people on Silk Road or people that are actually botting or trying to bot trying to bot. But from my understanding, which is very which is not a lot, a lot of this is on the Android side side of rooting and installing extensions or however the extensions is probably the wrong word, but installing something to modify and help the software uh just like how android has most people who put pokemon go on youtube are on android phones because android has that built in that the android has those apps that can record your screen as you play and and record everything and and whatnot so yeah i was i was gonna say i don't think this is a problem for iphone users at all because i don't think there's unless you you do root your iphone which do people are people even able to root iPhones anymore? Is that still a thing? Yeah, yeah. The, the, I think there's a jailbreak for 10.0. I don't think for the latest version of 10.0, which is 10.3.2, I think. But yeah, I, that, that just came out. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're before, if you don't upgrade and you're before 10.3, I think there is a jailbreak for it. But yeah, I mean, Android, it's much easier to do this kind of thing on Android than it is in the, the iPhone iOS environment so the majority of the people who are going to be taking advantage of these hacks are going to be android users and here's the thing if cheating in some way helps you enjoy the game more and i think we've all been there i i think i think as as a kid or a teen or 
or maybe somebody now. You bet I owned a game genie. You you better believe people put in cheat codes for you know a hundred lives or to skip levels. Big head mode. Big. Uh, inv- we've all there is fun to that. The problem with something like Pokemon Go, or even stuff like World of Warcraft or Overwatch, is you have people paying real money consistently. So if I'm paying. And I'm not saying cheaters are doing this. This is just an example. But if I'm paying $6 to get three uh, egg incubators, which I might have done this past week because I'm so addicted to hatching eggs now, I'm getting, I'm getting those steps in. And somebody else modifies their software to get unlimited egg incubators. Sure, that might be fun for them, but they're kind of like ruining it for the rest of us. Now, you could say like, well, no, their game doesn't really affect anyone else. But as Pokemon Go grows... And they add tr- and they add training trading, which is you know they said they're supposed to do this year, and they add legendary Pokemon, which are supposed to come this year. It also affects how gyms operate too, because if one person is using a a bot and the other isn't, that person with a bot has a distinct advantage on right maintaining that gym. So I mean, e- you don't even have to talk about f- features coming in the future to talk about ways in which this affects the player base as a whole. Yeah, online games like this have an ecosystem. It's hard for me not to not to have empathy for these people. Of like, you cheated. You didn't agree to the terms and services you originally agreed to. And so Niantic has every right to remove you from that ecosystem. But you, you violated the terms of service yes, is what yes. you did. <laughs> Get the legal jargon in here. Overall, though, I'm still having a great time with Pokemon Go. I've... Haven't missed a, a one of the two streaks in the last two weeks or so. I'm hatching eggs. I'm thinking about going to the mall later today and like power walking the mall and hitting the five Pokestops in the mall while hatching eggs. Man, Pokemon Go is really good. <laughs> like I am more compelled to finish my Pokedex in Pokemon Go than I have been in any main series game. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Especially, I, I, I've been working on my living decks lately, and wow, yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. Like, I cannot explain that feeling. But like, when I'm at work, I, I'm I'm far I'm far enough from a park where I can't hit any of the Pokestops or see most of them. But I'm on the I'm on the edge, so I can see like three of the six Pokestops in the park. And so I consistently check that once an hour at work to be like. Is there something over there I don't have? Is there something over there I don't have? And then when I go to lunch, I take the long way to lunch because there's also two other parks. And so like every day when I'm going to get lunch, I was like, okay, we'll stop at this park. I'm just going to park in the parking lot, pull up Pokemon Go. Okay, nothing really here. I'll just hit the stop and I'll keep going. But I like, okay, here's a good example. So across the street from me at work is a post office. So I, over this past week, I mailed a bunch of the stickers and buttons for all the Patreon backers who signed up for that. So thank you so much to our Patreon backers. Finally got those mailed out this week. I said before June. It's before June, so I at least hit that deadline. So I was mailing one or two more. I had international, so I can only mail international mail during the day. I can't mail it at night. So I walked over to the post office, had my Pokemon watch. I had my Pokemon go on my watch. I had it up. Post office is also Pokestop, so that's my Pokestop for the day. Hit the Pokestop, catch my Pokemon, mail, mail the last couple letters, Check Pokemon Go, and I was like, oh, man, there's a Dratini that is about a half mile away. I can see it. And I was like, well, I can walk a half mile. Like, that's not a big deal. And so I walked that, 
to get the Dratini, which I've already had, but I, wa I want to get Dragonair, so I need more Dratini. So I get there, catch the Dratini, look at the Pokestops, and then I see a, a, a Stantler, which is another half mile away. <laughs> uh, this is all oh, opposite of my work. And I go, ah, I don't have that. I'll just walk it. I'll just walk it. So I'm walking to get the Stantler. And I get there, and then I check again, and I was like, ah, hop it. I don't have enough hop it to get Skiploom yet. I can walk that. I can walk that. So now, like, 30 minutes later, I'm over a mile away from work. Have you ever heard Zeno's paradox of SBJ and the Stantler? <laughs> it's a really good joke, and maybe, like, four of our listeners are enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would hope. I don't know what it is about Pokemon Go that, like, I want... It's so much harder to complete a Pokedex in Pokemon Go than it is in the main series game. But I'm just so compelled to do it. And maybe it's just, maybe it's just like Adventure Week and seeing all these new Pokemon. Like, I got a Golem. I got a, I got a Kabutops. I got an Omastar. I got, uh, a Mega Cargo. I, uh, whatever that dumb fire slug's name is. Mag Cargo. It's Mag, Mag Cargo. <laughs> I got Mag Cargo shorts. Like, I got. <laughs> so many Pokemon I didn't have before, and I, I don't know why that feels different than a main series game. I don't know. I will dive into that deeper next week on It's Super Effective. We'll find out why SBJ really likes Pokemon Go. Hey, let's talk about another mobile game. Let's, let's, what are we, what are we at for time here? Okay, let's talk about, let's take a break here, because we're at, we're at 30 minutes. Let's take a break. We're going to throw in the interview with Braxton. He's going to talk all about how to make Pokemon music, why Pokemon hasn't sued him for making Pokemon music, how Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions got started, some, some thoughts on Sun and Moon, some thoughts on Pokemon Go. Very Pokemon. It's about 45 minutes. Great. In between, there's going to be a, some music for his new Kickstarter. So we're going to go there. Then when we come back, we're going to talk about Magikarp Jump, because that's, that's, that's the hot stuff. We're going to do some emails, and then we're going to do Pokemon of the Week. So we will be right back. Back from our break, I am in. I am here with our interviewee. I am here with Braxton. Braxton. Hey, Steve, how's it going? Good, Braxton Burks, right? Yes, <laughs> really good at butchering names. <laughs> I've been called Brandon. I've been called Baxter. I've been called Dexter. <laughs> fall fall under all those categories. Uh, so we've had a lot of people on the show. You know, wrestlers, uh, comedians, voice actors, uh, but you. I would say, are primarily a musician. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I slaved away in music school for four years, so I think I get to say that I'm a musician now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually get my diploma yet. My school has to send it still, but that's art school for you. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, 
I know your work. I think hopefully some of our listeners know your work. Uh, you have a Kickstarter running right now. I want to get to that, but I want to I want to get a little a little more information about you before we talk about uh, this cool project you're doing. But yeah, let's just talk about your your history with Pokemon to begin with. It seems yeah. you know I I've been following you on Twitter for oh, I don't know four or five years at this point, and to uh... me you it's <laughs> to me you've always seemed like a hardcore Pokemon fan, most of the Thank stuff you, you most of the stuff you do is music related. But where where did that love of Pokemon stem from? I so yeah I've uh, first of all thank you for for being such a fan for a long time. Um, I've been doing Pokemon arrangements for yeah probably about four or five years, and my love for Pokemon and doing arrangements from the series kind of stem from my love of. Uh, well, the first time I ever picked up a Pokemon game, which was, um, I think in 2001 or 2002, um, I was, I had just, like, moved to a new town, and I knew literally no one, and my mom was like, go make friends, you're, you're bugging me, get out of the house. (laughs) So, I, uh, I went to the bus stop, and she encouraged me to talk to some of the kids there that were my age, and... I met one kid who was super into Pokemon and was trying to show me um, gold, gold version. And I, I told him like, I don't, oh, I don't have a game. I can't trade with you or anything. And so then after school, he invited me over to his house and literally just gave me a Game Boy Color and a copy of Pokemon what? Crystal. Yeah, this kid was. I mean, he had like three Game Boy Colors. He had all three versions you know gold silver and crystal (laughs) so but yeah i was just totally dumbfounded by his uh his generosity and then after that i was i was pretty much hooked i would play pokemon every single day after school during school (laughs) i mean i would say that's that's kind of like a common theme with pokemon players they just want other people to experience what they're experiencing yeah and then there's the whole fostering friendships aspects of Pokemon, both in-game and out-of-game. Like, you have to literally talk to other people in the <laughs> old, the older generations. You act, and back in my day, you had to go out and you had to find a friend with a trading cable and, yeah, all that. <laughs> but I still play Pokemon to this day, so... Yeah, it's not like I'm... Uh, uh, like oh these youngsters with their newfangled Wi-Fi yeah <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Pokemon today, have you played Sun and Sun and Moon? Yeah, I have Moon, and um, I granted I haven't touched it in a while because uh, I've been so busy working on this album. But um, I really really enjoyed playing through the Alola region. It's just so fun. I. The story, the characters are so likable. I love how, for example, yeah, and his and his love for Malasadas. He is a man after my own heart. <laughs> for I, I mean, I always ask people this: uh, w- like, what was your favorite thing that Sun and Moon did? What was your least favorite thing that Sun and Moon did? That is a tough question. Um, I'd say my favorite thing that Sun and Moon did was environmental storytelling, which was something. I you you only saw a little bit in previous gens, uh, maybe like black and white, but um, 
like for example in the beginning near the beginning of the game in sun and moon you go into this person's house on a route uh it's one of the first ones and there's it's like home to this father who is really dejected and sad um about his son who has left home and um it seems like they have a fractured relationship and you can find remnants of his son's his son like living in the house and he's kind of like enshrined there but it seems like they they haven't spoken to each other in a long time and that to me was just like super real and like whoa pokemon has complex characters in this world even if they're not you know at the foray they're not in the the main cast or anything so i just like those little bits of immersiveness uh professor kukui's lab uh i just love that he has like a gym in the basement of his, (laughs) his lab so cool um so yeah definitely environment design um something i didn't like about sun and moon i had sort of wished the story was a little stronger I I love all of the characters, um, but I think just by the end of it, I was looking for something more. Uh, I can't really like put it into words, but yeah, it wasn't bad. No, and I think w- we've said that in the past that we liked the story. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. I think kind of what I don't want to I don't want to speak for other people on the show, but there was like this. It it almost felt like it was Lily's story and not your story. Mm. Yeah, and they they kind of. I don't. I personally don't feel like it was I, as bad as Black and White, where I felt like that story was so focused on N, even until the very end of that game. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least Lily's arc wraps up, and then they kind of like let you be your own Pokemon trainer again and get gear you up for the Elite Four and the the mountain climb and everything. Um, yeah, life goes on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Switching gears a little bit, Pokemon Go was a phenomenon. Was that something that stuck with you uh i'm sure it was uh popular in your city but was was that something oh, that, definitely that sunk its teeth into you yeah initially <laughs> <laughs> now it's you know uh the craze has died down a little bit i mean i still see people out there trying to um get groups together and um building communities around pokemon go which is super cool and i i wish there was more of that in uh seattle initially when it came out it was so big like the first day i went to the park and i was already like talking to strangers trying to find uh rare pokemon and asking them questions and uh we would walk side by side just like me and someone i'd literally met two minutes ago and we would like be catching pokemon together and it was it was pretty magical and the fact that it got me out of my room where basically my my studio is my room so uh it's a it's a bit of a uh claustrophobic cave sometimes so i had i have to get outside and pokemon go was a great excuse to to leave my room it was also it also really contributed to uh 
like my music got way more popular after Pokemon Go too. I I was seeing the number of streams some of my tracks were getting on Spotify, and a lot of people were adding my music to Pokemon Go playlists so they could, you know, mute the music in game and just play my stuff on their phone while they were walking around, which was super cool and kind of flattering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would also say that my podcast got really popular after Pokemon Go too. Oh yeah. People wanted they just wanted that 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 news, that information, which is I don't I, I don't know. I is is that like the age we live in where you see it with like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, it's like as soon mm-hmm. as an episode is over, people want to jump on forums or people want to listen to podcasts, like people want just more yeah. of that. And I feel like that didn't exist when gold and silver came out (laughs) no it was well it was definitely more isolated especially if you like grew up without much internet or you had like a bad connection it was hard to connect with people and um you'd have to you know actually talk to people at school or something figure out tips and secrets i like though that uh games are trending more towards um putting secret things in that players have to discover later and not including everything in, you know, a comprehensive guide. Uh, so that those kinds of discussions can occur. Same with TV shows and stuff. Um, you never know what's coming. Or even if you do, it's really fun to hear other people's input, watching reaction videos to you know <laughs> specific scenes. I know when I'm going to go on a tangent slightly. <laughs> no, tangent away. When Force Awakens came out, because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, um, uh, I literally just like would spend a whole day <laughs> watching reaction videos of people watching the first teaser trailers and just the people like bursting into tears, and then I would start, I would like burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I I really like that connection building that goes on online over geeky things like pokemon go or star wars or what have you yeah whatever your favorite franchises (laughs) so you brought up your music earlier let's let's actually talk about that because that's that's kind of what you're known for yeah so i started learning to write music probably around 2010 i i had no like traditional classical musical training I took a few piano lessons when I was in high school, but that was about it. So I'm pretty much, I pretty much self-taught in piano. And then later I started doing remixes and arrangements of Pokemon music for fun. And by doing that and playing other video game music on the piano, I started to learn how to write my own music. And eventually that led to me applying to music school and doing more, uh, ambitious projects like my first pokemon album kanto symphony which came out the same year that i started music school you went from you know teaching yourself music to putting out an album (laughs) yeah i guess there was a lot that happened in between um so when i was in college at public university um my first two years of undergrad i was messing around with music while I was um, I was getting ready to major in international studies. 
Um, but I was doing a lot of music stuff on the side and um, started doing Pokemon remixes with uh, orchestra um, VSTs. And uh, eventually I started getting good enough that I felt like, oh, maybe I should invest in some higher quality VSTs. So I, I picked up some sample libraries using uh, some financial aid money. <laughs> Or at least money that I'd saved um, after having my housing covered for a quarter. Sure. Um, so <laughs> being a responsible adult and all that. Um, and then I started doing like. Uh, hey, you gotta more... you gotta spend money to make money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at at the time though, I wasn't even making money, so it was it was definitely a sunken cost. Um, but uh, I mean, eventually it. It paid off, but yeah. So I was I, I was just doing a lot of orchestral arrangements and learning how to write convincing sounding um, orchestral music while I was in undergrad. And then I kind of realized, oh man, I don't know if I, this is like international studies. Is this really what I want to do? So uh, I ended up um, dropping out and applying to several. Um, music schools while honing my music um, skills. And uh, that eventually led me to tackling um, music from the first Pokemon games, Red and Blue, and arranging them for full orchestra, which was uh, my first choice would have probably been to arrange Gold and Silver. (laughs) Yeah. Because those were the games I started with. But I I saw so many people... um, responding positively to some other uh, red and blue arrangements that I was doing and uploading to YouTube and stuff. And I I started getting excited about working on Gen 1 music and wanted to do something that was like, you know, a full-scale orchestral arrangement of the original soundtrack, the whole soundtrack to Red and Blue. I thought I could do it because it was... um, uh, it was a lot shorter than gold and silver, <laughs> so there was <laughs> less less music to orchestrate, but um, I thought it would also be a, a fun way to go back to my roots, so to speak, as a Pokemon fan and rediscover what made you know the original franchise so magical with the very first game so i I revisited the world of red and blue uh through my arrangements and um that I finished a about a year later after dropping out of uh undergrad and then um it was released and a bunch of people really liked it I guess. <laughs> you guess. <laughs> I guess. Let me let me back up a little bit. I, for our listeners and and for you Braxton, I have yeah. I am the most music I I can't do anything with music. I can't play an instrument, <laughs> I can't dance, I can't follow a beat. So the, this, this <laughs> that's un- totally fine. This understanding of I don't know how people make this stuff. <laughs> like I get the concept, but oh sure, uh, it's like people who like they understand drawing, but they they can't draw anything past a sick person. So you you said you played a little piano, and then you went from making a whole album. You so you're telling me you didn't really play any other instruments or anything like that. You just sat down and wrote music, which is like this, like Spanish to me. <laughs> have no clue how to understand <laughs> this written language. 
I yeah, I guess I could break it down a little bit like what my um how I actually taught myself cuz I know there are a lot of people out there who maybe feel the same way like they're maybe not as uh, musical or not sure if they have the proper skills to like go into music but like when I started out I guess my bra- background actually started when I did choir in high school I couldn't actually sight read music at all so I would just literally I think I'm saying literally a lot <laughs> um uh when I was in choir I actually would just listen to my section leader sing the part and then I would parrot him and just blend in so I got really good at picking out parts by ear so I guess that really helped me when I started to learn piano cuz I could sort of hear where the music was going even if I couldn't even if it took me forever to read music and I also bought a children's piano book like piano learning book uh <laughs> to to teach myself because that's it was honestly the best way to learn because it teaches you the proper fing- finger technique uh which fingers to play with first for what notes um how to play scales and i would play dinky stuff like twinkle twinkle little star and that's how i i learned how to become more agile on the piano and then i think the first actual video game track that i learned to play that i was really excited about was uh to xanarkand from final fantasy 10 by nobuo uematsu which is a beautiful beautiful piano piece and simple enough that i could play it it took me two months to like learn how to play it with both hands and i had to like learn how to play one part on one hand one part on the other and then try putting them together and it's it's really hard work just learning in the beginning how to play piano pieces because you do have to play with both hands. So once you once you become agile enough and once you learn to like split your brain into two to play the bass line and the <laughs> melody and all that stuff, uh, you just practice and practice over and over. My parents got real sick of my playing <laughs> after sure. a while. Yeah, honestly, it, it just it's hours of repetition, slowing down your pace, so playing a piece a lot slower than it, it actually is when you um, perform it uh, at full speed, because that that helps you to ingrain muscle memory in your fingertips. You know, you'll you'll just memorize through muscles where your fingers need to land when you're playing. So eventually, you you're not even thinking about um oh i need to play this note here and then i need to play this next on this beat Mm -hmm. yeah learning piano is if you if you invest the time it's it's not too bad but that's is you just gotta put in the time as far as working with like remixes and um playing with instruments on the computer i i started with garage band honestly and a lot of people uh, I know, still use GarageBand and maybe this have graduated to... edited in GarageBand for probably Whoa. the first 150-some episodes. <laughs> I mean, GarageBand's pretty solid. It's a, it's a really good uh, digital audio workstation. Most people, you know, don't need uh, all the bells and whistles of a lot of other sequencers, so... And I use 
GarageBand forever too until I started getting more sophisticated with my arrangements and bought like professional orchestral sample libraries, which cost a pretty penny. (laughs) (laughs) But as a college student, I had disposable income from my job and I didn't have any debt yet. 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 (laughs) Keyword there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I invested in better instruments as I got better at writing and um, was listening to a lot of orchestral music. I'm such a huge like soundtrack freak. I love movie scores and video game music, so I, I'm constantly listening to um, some kind of orchestral thing um, when I'm not working and all of that helped me develop my ear for what sounds natural for an orchestra. And eventually when I went to school, that was all kind of like solidified. And I, I built like an infrastructure for learning orchestration through like, uh, you know, formal training, uh, tying music theory to orchestration. And so it all started being more cohesive and my music got a lot better after I was in school. Tell me about your first Kickstarter here. It's uh, Pokemon Reorchestrated Presents Double Team. Uh, you had 937 backers, $21,000. This was early 2013? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was... Um, just hearing those numbers again is, like, so cool. I, I'm just astounded at how many Pokemon fans really love the orchestral arrangements that me and... My friend Eric, who was co-producer on the album, uh, did. Yeah, Double Team was sort of born out of um, a desire to work with live players. Like, um, before going to music school, I'd work exclusively with virtual instruments and um, synthesized orchestral instruments. So I'd never actually talk to a live player and ask them, hey, is this actually playable? <laughs> I was just kind of <laughs> going off of what sounded right to my ear. This so. computer can do it better than you. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> in some cases. And a lot a lot of my music that I write is even, it's still pretty difficult for live players. Uh, I, I've gotten good enough where I can like write a, a, a part that is literally, it's playable, but, you know might be best played by a professional orchestra like the London Symphony. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, top tier. Yeah, a lot of my early music suffered from clunkiness and awkward uh, instrumentation, um, non-idiomatic writing that just sounded super fake. So going to school, I formed the small ensemble to perform a Nintendo medley, and I invited Eric to come rehearse with us, because that was my first time in front of live human beings trying to, like, conduct an ensemble, and so he was there. He'd, he'd worked with... He's worked with live musicians before. He's a percussionist, so he's played in um, various bands and ensembles, and we rehearsed together, and then when we went home later that night, we were talking about how cool it would be to actually book a professional orchestra to play 
uh, stuff like Pokemon music, which was what I was doing and at the time. And and he, he Eric is is pretty much a go getter and said, well, why not? Let's just do a Kickstarter. We've done Kickstarters in the past, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, then we launched a Kickstarter to work with, uh, a bunch of Seattle symphony players in studio X in downtown Seattle. And yeah, it was all crowdfunded and got all of the music prepped and performed and recorded with live string players, live piano. Um, it was the most harrowing experience in my entire life. Just learning it it was definitely a trial by fire i i learned very quickly how to notate music how to uh write for a live ensemble um what things worked what things didn't after hearing them perform stuff and so it at the same time as scary as it was it was uh an invaluable lesson in writing music so it was, um, I, w- I was very grateful to our backers and I'm still grateful to everyone who made that album, um, a reality cause it, it really uh, improved my own music and we got to write cool Pokemon arrangements. <laughs> well, you wrote, you wrote more after that. You launched, uh, Hoenn Summer. Yeah. I miss Hoenn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no one, no one, uh, mentions Hoenn Summer as much as say Double Team or Tonto Symphony, because Oros had just come out um, when I released Hoenn Summer, and um, so I was I was on all aboard the hype train. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I tried to throw in as many trumpets in there as I could, you know, give the Hoenn fans what they want. I don't know how to phrase this question. So you did all the you did double team, you did albums before, you did Hoenn Summer, and then Big Papa Pokemon Company came along. And they were mm-hmm. like, let's do Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions and let's tour the world. <laughs> Which, you know, they have every right to, right? It's their franchise. But oh, yeah. They're, they were definitely kind of stepping on uh, a niche that you and Eric, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't know how much involvement Eric has besides being oh, on. Well, on Double Team, yeah, he was, he was co-producer. Uh, every, every other Pokemon reorchestrated release was me, but... I've also I also include a lot of the musicians we've worked with under the Pokemon Reorchestrated umbrella, so oh, okay. I understand the confusion. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, they're kind of stepping on this niche that you had, and I'm sure other artists have done Pokemon music remixes, you know, all that other oh, stuff. Yeah. So, how like was that exciting for you? Was that frustrating for you? Was that did did I, they they did they even talk to you? Not that they need to talk to yeah. you, but were they like, "Hey, we like your music"? No, yeah, actually, I'm I'm good friends with Jaron Moore, the producer of po- Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions. Uh, he also produced Legend of Zelda: Symphony of the Goddesses, and I attended both shows multiple times in my city and even other cities when I was traveling and. I, I absolutely love the work that Jaren and Chad do. Chad, the arranger for um, both Zelda Symphony and Pokemon Symphony. Um, it was actually, I was actually really um, flattered to be approached by Jaren before uh, they had proposed the idea of the symphony to uh, the Pokemon company. Um, and he actually consulted with me and Eric on 
some of our favorites from um, our favorite tunes from the Pokemon franchise and got a lot of feedback from us. We worked with him to kind of develop a program for the concert and um, give a, uh, we gave him, you know, our opinions on what pieces worked, what didn't for a live show. And then the rest was all them. They uh, ran with all of the, pieces that they come up with and arrange them all and orchestrated everything and honestly it was it having a pokemon concert irl uh that people could attend and listen to yeah i was super stoked (laughs) um (laughs) so it may have seemed to on the outside that they might have been stepping on my toes but honestly it was it was super i thought it was super awesome that they were doing it and it was something i dreamed of for a while and I, I actually hope uh, that it pushed the Pokemon company towards doing more live recordings for the games themselves in the future after they've seen the reception to the, the concerts. You know, it would be super neat to see them do more recording with live orchestra for future soundtracks. So um, I think it's all progress, what I do, what Symphonic Evolutions is doing, and... I sort of see that as the concert series as an extension of kind of what I do, but more for an like a, a a concert going experience versus something where you're like sitting down and my albums have a narrative to them, uh, which is not the case with Symphonic Evolutions. There are a couple of movements like the black and white movement that you know are very cinematic and story driven, but um, for the most part, it's like you know, the best hits of the Pokemon series. Whereas I like to, I like to take, you know, music from a single gen and focus in on that and try to distill the essence of a particular game like red and blue or right now gold and silver and develop a a listening experience that has uh, this kind of story as the backbone for all of the tracks. Before, we get to your current Kickstarter, which has about a week left. Uh, yeah. Hey. How, <laughs> how do you get, maybe, maybe there's a really simple answer. Maybe it's really complicated and will take too much time, but you're selling pretty much Pokemon music and mm-hmm. TCPI knows that you're doing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. How is that not a conflict of interest of like, yeah, you changed the music slightly. Well, not slightly. I'm sure there's so much work. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's... It's not slightly, but... Uh, I get what you, you're saying. Though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, is, how is there not like, hey, take this music down, you're making money off off what, uh, what was originally something we created? Right. And the whole uh, legality of releasing covers, uh, whether it's video game music or covers of pop songs, things like that, uh, those can be licensed, um, which is exactly what we've done for my past releases. Uh, we've uh, so we have what is called a compulsory license, and I'm working with Sebastian Wolf from the Materia Collective, which uh, releases a bunch of original and uh, cover albums uh, of video game music. And basically, uh, he and my past uh, labels handle the licensing where. Uh, we take a composition that is featured in uh, a song of mine. So say I have like the main theme, the main Pokemon theme from Red and Blue, and um, I want to, you know, release that and sell that on iTunes and 
put on Spotify and stuff. So the compulsory uh, license, mechanical license, uh, allows you to uh, cite one composition for uh, $0.09 cents per sale, digital sale of the album, or uh, the track, getting into like complex <laughs> businessy copyright stuff but um yeah so for nine cents per composition featured in a track you can then license that track and release it and so basically what we do is um we list all of the compositions we're licensing that have been published by the pokemon company already on itunes because um, as you might know they they actually have all of the soundtracks or most of the soundtracks on iTunes for the Pokemon games. Yeah. So we we cite those compositions and um, license all of those, add up uh, the total amount of royalties owed to the Pokemon company, and then basically cut them a check every month after all of the sales from the music comes in. I would I would hope that somebody does that for you. Like you're not yeah. you're not sitting there in your studio going, Well, we no. sold three of the title screen for red and blue, so that's twenty seven <laughs> cents. It's uh yeah, no. Um my previous label louder handled all of my licensing for me and uh Sebastian, who was uh co founder of Louder, uh is now handling licensing for me. He is a spreadsheet wizard, so it's uh and he's got everything automated so he he's the one who kind of handles all of that he he does it way more efficiently than i could and most people know musicians are probably not great accountants so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so everything is legally licensed and um available for sale with all proper royalties paid to the pokemon company got it i'm i'm just i guess i'm kind of surprised that you know other composers is that the right word other composers Mm -hmm. don't do that with other video games like you don't see halo remixes or destiny remixes or final fan maybe you do maybe i'm just not looking hard enough but Mm -hmm. if it's that easy of saying hey i just want to license this and i'm going to cut you a check for you know nine cents of the dollar per song you would Mm -hmm. think that more of those would be popping up yeah, and I think for a while it was just about accessibility to the kinds of labels and partners, uh, publishers that gave artists the ability to license songs for covers. Uh, Louder was one of the first really big um, online retailers and labels that allowed musicians to do video game covers. Uh, and so it was, it's. I think it's becoming a lot more prevalent now um and before it was pretty unheard of so yeah it's uh it's pretty cool actually seeing all of the kinds of covers that come out for video games nowadays like i'm playing persona 5 right now uh when i'm not working on the album like i'll take breaks to play persona and i'll go on twitter and see people like posting vocal covers of uh persona songs and it's really cool to now see this thriving community of video game artists and arrangers and cover bands and things <laughs> doing interpretations of all of this video game music in various genres not just you know orchestral things yeah it's it's pretty awesome
Speaking of awesome, Johto Legends music from Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver, currently on Kickstarter. Uh, we're Get recording. It. We're recording this a little early, so right now it says nine days left. You have five hundred seventy-four backers. You're at twenty thousand dollars out of thirty thousand. So goal goal is definitely obtainable here. But tell me tell me about this Kickstarter. So this is uh, a project that is near and dear to my heart. Like I mentioned earlier, I my first choice if I was going to uh, you know exclude uh, the opinions of other people and. Uh, <laughs> be really super selfish. I would have tackled <laughs> uh, the music of Gold and Silver first because it was such an important, it was such an integral part of my childhood, uh, exploring the Johto region and encountering the legendaries like Ho-Oh and Lugia and all the, you know, the beast trio, Raikou and Suicune. And uh, up until this point, I actually uh, didn't feel competent enough in my musical abilities to pull off an album of gold and silver orchestrations that really did the music justice. So now I feel like I'm ready and I've written, I'm almost done with the album now. And what I want to do is take it to the next level, not just have uh, virtual instruments like I've used in the past but kind of do something in between, say, Canto Symphony's virtual instruments and Double Team's all-live ensemble, where it's a mix. So this Kickstarter is to raise funds for live musicians uh, to perform uh, parts for Johto Legends, all music from Pokemon Gold and Silver. And it's also to raise funds to produce uh, physical CD copies of the album when it's released so people can get uh, these really beautiful albums with um, it's going to feature some stunning album artwork uh, by the double team uh, cover designer uh, Franz Anthony, and um, are also super excited to um, just you know be. Um... Sorry, I lost my <laughs> train no, of that's thought. All right. It's what the ma- the mastering of cutting and editing. I'll make you sound real good. Actually, speaking of mastering and editing, that's that's also part of the Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> good segue, actually. Uh, um, uh, for the first time in my musical career, uh, we want to raise funds to hire a professional sound engineer to mix and master the album, uh, as opposed to me just like slapping a compressor and uh, you know a limiter and calling it good. <laughs> Uh, for I, I, that might be lost on some people, but like, it's, oh, I 100% it's, know what you yeah. mean in, in that aspect. It's just kind of a quick and dirty, like, oh yeah, the album's done. Sure, it's like peaking, meaning like there's some distortion in the audio, but like, oh, I'll just turn it down a little bit. And <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's all good. It, it's good, right? No, no. Um, so we're we want to get it professionally mixed and mastered. So, uh, the whole album is produced to the highest quality possible. So when you put on your headphones, you really get sucked into the music. The The stereo field is wide and everything is rich and detailed and it's, it's nothing's fuzzy and or compressed. So yeah, basically make it sound as good as possible, do physical CDs and hire live players to perform alongside um, orchestral, really high quality orchestral samples. Well, that's awesome. Well, that is currently on Kickstarter. Probably just 
my advice would probably be searching for Johto Legends. That'll probably get you right there on Kickstarter. Yep. Uh, I'll have a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're coming down to the wire on this one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but but we'll we'll make sure that our Twitter and everything gets gets this promoted for your last week. It's always like the first like couple days, and then the last couple days. Those are the most important. Yeah, I'm not too worried, honestly, because most people do kind of like pledge at the last minute. So I'm I'm that um, guy. I used to pledge first minute, and I have now completely. I will wait till last minute every time. Oh yeah. Oh, I I do it too. I'm totally guilty. So it's it's understandable too when people, and I think it's part of Kickstarter statistics or something too when. Every project that kind of reaches half of its goal, you know, within a week or two of its uh, deadline is usually going to get funded is the statistic or something like that. And yeah. It's because people, you know, want to see uh, if the project is worthwhile and if it's going somewhere. And if it hits the 50% mark, that's kind of like a, a signal to people like, oh, yeah, this this is something we really really want to push through, but couldn't make up their mind before it hit fifty percent. <laughs> totally, I got it's like one a more... measure of faith. <laughs> yeah, I got one more question for you, Braxton. Before we wrap sure. up here, uh, what is your favorite Pokemon? Ah, uh, how dare you? <laughs> how dare I ask these hard questions? This is this, you're pitting me against all the other. Pokemon fans out there who like have specific gens that are their favorites. <laughs> uh, oh god. Like I don't want to say this because it'll make it sound like I'm a gen 1er when I'm really a gen 2er. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I really love Charizard. I've been like Oh wow. Yeah, I I've been drawing Charizard fan art since I was a little kid since I could like I watched the Pokemon anime before I ever played the games and Charizard was probably my favorite Pokemon back then too. So um yeah, definitely Charizard. Uh no, that's not a bad choice. I mean, yeah. at least you didn't pick like Lucario or something. <laughs> hey, no hating on Lucario. Yeah, we have a, a long-running joke where the whole show hates Lucario, but in re- oh. secret, secretly in reality, he's okay. He's pretty great. He fits a certain I... market. Uh, if I had to pick a newer Pokemon that was my favorite, I would probably say Beware. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beware's really great. It's like one of the few things the anime does really good is like yeah. give gives justice to certain Pokemon. Oh, and gosh, yeah. Beware is one of those. The Sun and Moon anime is so good. I love the animation. And like, yeah, like you said, the the Pokemon characters themselves, they actually like feel alive and have personalities beware is the greatest part of the anime <laughs> and their team rocket's relationship with beware just like oh it's so cute i'm a, I'm a little behind on the anime i have to catch up i've only done oh. <laughs> the i've only done the first three so when they introduce beware in episode three yeah it's um it's pretty great <laughs> that's awesome well braxton thank you for being on where can our listeners uh find you i I know you're on twitter and and your your music has a twitter account as well yeah so uh you can follow pokemon reorchestrated all of our shenanigans and music on facebook just look up pokemon reorchestrated also on twitter uh our handle is at p 
PKMN Reorc. You could just type in Pokemon Reorchestrated. <laughs> um, it's not an easy name to say. Twitter, uh, Twitter search is surprisingly good. Yeah, it'll it'll return it. And then if you, for some reason, want to follow me and think I'm, you know, cool, <laughs> uh, my, my personal handle is at Braxton Burks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. I hope the most success for you and your Kickstarter. Steve, thank you so much for having me, and I hope the podcast goes well. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> uh, so what we'll do is we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will do some emails and our Pokemon of the week. We will be right back. And we are back from our break. Let's let's talk about the hit mobile game, Magikarp Jump, which I might attend. Like, I might call Splash Magikarp because that's what it was in Japan. I actually like I like that name better. I realize why it's so awkward because isn't Splash itself the original move a mistranslation? Wasn't it always supposed to be Jump, and that's why things like Hopip know it? But it was mistranslated as Splash, and so that the whole joke of the game sort of gets lost, because why is yep. Magikarp jumping? Well, it's because it always has. We just didn't know. It's weird. Whatever. Yeah. So in Japan, Magikarp's move is jump. In America, they translated it to Splash, which is... Wait, would you like me to read the official Bulbapedia trivia? Yeah, go ahead. While its English name suggests an association with water, its Japanese name, Squiggly Squiggly Squiggly, Haneru can mean both splash and hop, but usually the latter. This explains why the move can be learned by Pokemon such as Spoink and Hopip, species who have no association with water but are known for hopping or jumping, and why it is disabled by gravity. Its somewhat misleading English name is likely due to its initial exclusivity to Magikarp. It's almost like that's exactly what I already said. Yes, but I just read the official word. That's not official. official Bulbapedia is official. Word. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've... Also, I, I take umbrage with your describing this as a game. It's certainly fun and cute. It is just a Skinner box, though, right? It's just... Uh, I mean, it's a tapper. You press the buttons. You press the buttons that the game tells you to press, and you get rewarded for it. And there's no r skill or anything of the sort involved, except for the occasional decision to play it safe or have your Magikarp die. Like, other than that, it's just... I think... <laughs> you press the buttons the game tells... The quote-unquote game tells you to press. I like it a lot, but I don't really know that it's a game. You're not, you're not wrong. It, it is a game in a sense that it, it's a tapper. Like, Trimps. We were very big on... I was very big on Trimps for a very long time. I still think playing still over like will, a year and a half later. Will still playing. 
But in shrimps, don't you have to make like a lot of decisions? There's not really a lot of decisions to even be made in. So the thing Magikarp about shrimps is, and most other tapper, I've played a lot of tappers. Like Eggs Inc. is another one that stands out to me. The thing about those games is you can usually brute force them with time. Magikarp Jump doesn't do anything on its own, which is a little annoying in that aspect. Like I don't like I'm already pointing out negatives. And I'm I'm very high on this game, don't get me wrong. But at least in like trimps, you can your trimps don't do anything at the start and then you hire like two trimps and then you're clicking to make them do stuff and then eventually with when I say eventually, I mean like the first five minutes of the game, the trimps are self-efficient to work on their own. And what you're doing at that point is is once they're bringing back resources, you're hiring more trimps or building more buildings or or you're spending those resources. So as you spend the resources, they accomplish those goals faster, which gets you more trimps and more resources. And then that builds... But so you, you can let those games idle and get reward for it. Yes. But you can't do that in Magikarp Jump because everything for which you get a reward requires a tap. Yes. And just like in Trimps, you, well, you could let it idle and eventually get to your goal. I mean, if you were playing for a straight day, you'd probably get there. But you could let it idle for like two weeks and then get there without actually clicking. Um, the thing about Trimps is you do hit a wall and you go through a portal. And when you come out of that portal, you're starting over. Sounds familiar, right? But you're getting some of the benefits uh, that you did on your last run. Those go into your new run, and it makes it easier to then get past that brick wall, hit a new brick wall, go through the portal, come back around. The same thing for Eggs Inc., the same thing for other tappers. Magikarp jump exactly like that. Your Magikarp can only jump so high once that's over. You start over, and a little bit goes into that new Magikarp. And I mean, there, there are the, the game part comes with, I would say the game part comes with the, the spending of, okay, where am I going to put my coins? Yeah, that's true. Or where am, what am I going to buy with my diamonds, which is a little more rare? What decoration do I want to go in? Cause I definitely think some decorations are way better than other decorations. Yeah, that's true. And really some of the first decorations that you can afford off the bat. While you can afford them and put them down, I think that you hurt yourself in the long run of like, oh, instead of 150, you should have saved to 250 because this decoration will benefit you way more than the other decorations. Yeah. And for those maybe that are still at the beginning, I think the two best decorations uh, are the Shaman Planter. Yeah, I got that one. And the Whimsicott Cushion. I don't have that one yet. The Whimsicott Cushion, I think, is the best one to buy first because it increases your trainer XP points by 9%. That's the only mm. thing that increases your overall trainer XP. And as you know, your Magikarp it, level is based off your trainer XP. So the right. faster you can get that up, because there have been some runs where I got my trainer level up twice. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm eyeing that SSN model, though. I just think it looks cool. <laughs> You guys are so much further in this game than I have gotten. What it's rank? What rank are we all? Education from yeah. I'm, I'm I'm level three. Rank three for your trainer. Yeah. Okay. Travis, what rank are you? Twenty one. Uh, I am ranked twenty two. Ooh. 
which I can see because I linked my leaderboard to um, Facebook and then had the wall of shame thrown up in front of me. Yeah, that's that's such a like that's such a mobile gimmick tactic of like here's what your friends are doing, and it's like ah. Oh. I just play Here's for another how hour. much better your friends are than you. Yes. Why do As you even get out of beings. bed in the morning? Well, you're last on my list, just to let you know. Yeah, I, I believe it <laughs> because I'm trainer level three and I've played this game for like a max of like an hour, maybe. I don't know. It sounds like you don't like it though, Will. As, as like... somebody who has, you've played a lot of trimps. You're still playing trimps. Correct. So I feel like this game would be in your wheelhouse. This game requires far too much interaction from me. Trimps, I can let it sit on my work computer. It's running on my work computer right now without me being there. And you know what? Those little trimps are making food, and they're making metal, <laughs> and they're making wood, and I don't have to do anything about it. My Meanwhile, your Magikarp's just slacking. He doesn't, he doesn't even know how to eat unless I point <laughs> at the food, and he goes, chomp, chomp, here's... Uh, I didn't even recognize those berries. It's uh, is it a chesto and uh, no? What's the blue? There's one? a lot of them. Lum? I mean, you got you got your orange. You got your oh, that's um, right. Because I haven't bought the more berries. I've only got the two basic berries. You oh. got like orange and citrus to start, and then you can buy petra, and then eventually you get like rost and I think there's a I think lepa is one yeah. of them, and then a yeah rost berry is what I'm on. I think you can get it when you're 22. Let me pull it up. Let or me pull 21. up the list. You know what I'd really like to talk about? How I solo captured a Sereg- seven-star Sereggios this morning, but that's just not the topic of I the day. I have no idea it? what that even means. <laughs> so the, it's a so the berries that you have access to start with orange berry and citrus berry, and then you can buy Pecha berries, Rindo berries, Wakan berries. Those are the ones that make it so that uh, electric-type moves, super-effective moves, are uh, their damage is halved. Uh, Lepa berries... Uh, Rost berries, and then and that's how far I am in terms of my berry access. But then you get Asper berries, berries. I don't know why I said it like a human's name. Berry, raspberry, blookberry, and then finally the lava cookie. When you hit that illustrious Ooh. rank forty-two, wouldn't the lava cookie get real soggy underwater? I mean, it's uh, it's 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 baked so crispy by the lava that oh, okay, maybe you need that sog. It may be like dunking an Oreo in milk. Yeah. Yeah, but you're on a pretty strict time limit with that. Do you think a Magikarp cares about the sogginess of a lava cookie? Probably not. But you don't know about that Piplup. You don't know if that Piplup's stealing food. You think that Piplup's eating my food? I didn't agree to this Piplup to be in my tank. Ooh, that's a good point. I haven't gotten the Piplup yet. I think you gotta be, is it the first or second tournament that gives you the Piplup? I think it's the first tournament you you do. I mean, I've done I've done the first league. Okay, so let so it's got to be the second one. Let me yeah. let me give you a pro tip here. So if you go under achievements, there's a bunch of achievements for like number of times you log in, times fed, times trained, events triggered, patterns collected. There's one that says social media shares. Okay, so I'm there, not doing that. Uh, here here's the pro tip. Here's the pro tip because I want to. I want to get all the achievements. In Did you game. make a Twitter account just for Magikarp jump shares? No, no. I have a better way, Travis. I am. This is breaking news. No one. You're hearing. You're hearing this first. This is something I tested last night. I was so excited to report on this. <laughs> the social media. I have not seen this anywhere. And, and for the record, I have looked up very little information on Magikarp jump because I I do like. 
Just like Trimps, you can say that Trimps or Eggs Inc. are they're games that play themselves, right? But there are still things that you don't know what happens. And that like that's exciting. Like going through the portal for the first mm-hmm. time in Trimps is like, whoa, I did not expect this. And then getting new items in Trimps of like, oh, I can get a mansion now? I've never had a mansion before. Like those are exciting. And I think the same thing applies here to Magikarp Jump of, oh, something happens when blah, blah, blah. Like the first time you do uh, one of the training events that you just unlocked, it was like, oh, this is cool. Or even like, I don't know what a Charizard does until I buy it. Or at least I think it doesn't tell you what they do yes. before you purchase yeah. them. It doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't tell you what you do. So I'm looking through the list. You see a lot like items used, Magikarp's forced to retire, social media shares. So the first one, I think you need to do three. The second one, you need to do 10. The third one, you need to do 50. Or no, 20. The fourth one, you need to do 50. So I'm assuming the last one is you need to do 100. So you can tweet those to get one point. Now, I tested if you cannot do the same event twice. So if you won a gym battle, you can't tweet that like four times. It only works for the first one. So if you're going through a gym and there's 15 spots in the gym and you always lose at 16, you can do every single one of those gyms, even if you've done them before, as long as your Magikarp is wiped and you got a new Magikarp. So that's 15 shares. But no way am I spamming either of my Twitters, Pokemon Podcast or Dragon Lake, with, the, with over 100 Magikarp notifications. Like I might do one a day, but here's the trick. You can text yourself what? or another person and that counts as a share what fyi i just texted both of you <laughs> and that... <laughs> so irene is going to wake up this morning and she's going to see about 20 magikarp texts from me but i tested and it counted every single time and then at that point i went i should probably stop texting her so i tested myself i texted myself and it worked so Every time you do a gym battle or even a, a special event, just text yourself that because you have to do over 100 to complete that part of the achievements. So there wow. you go. You heard it here first. I was so excited when I discovered that last night. I couldn't wait to podcast. They will probably fix that hole soon enough. Well, I mean, texting is sharing, so I don't see why it wouldn't. Take Why that. They... My precious Magikarp just jumped 34 meters and won hashtag Magikarp. Travis, you didn't play... Have you played any Tapper prior to this? I've played games similar to this. I played a tiny bit of Trimps. Cookie Clicker? I played Cookie Clicker. There's the one... What's the... Is it Adventure Capitalist? Is that what that one's yep, called? Adventure yeah, Capitalist? Yeah. That game's pretty alright. I played a little of that. I didn't like that as I much as I played them more like... I played them more... I'm not sure. I I think Cookie Clicker might might have come out when I was like in high school or early college, and I was a slacker, so you know, play some of that in class. But I mean, they're not. They've it, it's never been a genre that engages me heavily. But Magikarp Jump is cute, and it has Pokemon in it. So a lot of the times, that's enough for me to forgive a lot of other <laughs> things I wouldn't like in other games. So I'm playing it, having a good time. Have you put? Have either of you put any money into it? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have this, I have this, like, when I like something, I have zero problem giving it money. And so when I logged in and I saw, oh, like for 72 hours, I don't know if you guys saw this, for 72 hours, 
here's X amount of diamonds and a bunch of items for $4.99. And then for 72 hours, because it's our special launch thing, here's X amount of diamonds and some more items for 99 cents. So right off the bat, I was like, somebody made this game and it's free and they have to get paid somehow. And this is giving me items. So this is my way of supporting the people who made said game. I'll let you do that for me. Also, $6 is cheaper than a meal at Five Guys, so... That's and true. Every, and everything that's cheaper than a meal at Five Guys, you're, you should buy, You apparently. should be buying. Money is no good in the bank. Yeah, my problem is, one, I'm, I mean, I just I don't like the game very much, and two, I only get paid once a month, and this is what we call fifth week, wherein <laughs> it's the fifth week of the month since I've been paid, and I'm getting hungry. And it's either that meal at Five Guys or some Magikarp jumping. Maybe June will be Magikarp jumps month to make some cash off me. This is a non sequitur, but is Roddy Tackle, is there a pun there? There's a man in the game named Roddy Tackle. Yeah. And I realize Tackle, like Tackle Box. Oh, rod, fishing rod. I am. You got wow. it. The, the thing I want to point out is what, what it's the second it's not the sandbag it's the second one with the the counter yeah that counter is the same counter that's in pokemon stadium oh remember the mini game where you have to make magikarp jump and whoever can hit a oh! <laughs> i didn't notice that that's cool like there's a lot of really like subtle things that i really enjoy about this game I don't, maybe I'm misunderstanding the, the Manaphy. When Manaphy shows up, you tap it, and then it starts Fever Rush, right? Mm-hmm. And then all the love discs come, and Corsola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you tap the love discs and Corsola to get the food to drop, or do you eat? I have been. Do you eat the food? Because you can only have so much food on your screen. Do you eat the food so when they're passing by, they're dropping more food? Now, I think Food Rush allows you to pass your cap of food production. So you just tap as many of the Pokemon as you can. Hmm. I think? It seems like I, it's, I always just tap the Pokemon and then eat the food that's there when, I'm, when it's over. And I'm pretty dang sure. There's more food than what? That there's more food than my current tank's cap would normally allow. Yeah. I'm just wildly tapping all the time. Tap, 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 tap. I'm never even paying attention to what I hit on. I put a lot of my... Most of my coins are going straight into food because I'm, I'm checking so often that it's more of a payoff. If right. You ch- if, you, if you're checking at least twice a half hour, I would say if you're checking even once every half hour, you get way more out of the food, at least in my experience, than you do from the training. Yeah, if you if you check enough. The other, the, but there are other strategies, right? Like if you, like you said, if you don't check that often, probably the training is a better investment. But then there's also the consideration of, and and I mean, it would take someone to actually crunch the math on this, but I would guess that there's also an argument to be had for buying your upgrades not necessarily for the specific thing you're buying but to just get things to rank 25 so that you get the support candy that upgrading something to that extent 
gets you, so then your support Pokemon are better. Like, I think there's multiple ways to do it, and I'm sure one of them is optimal, but I'm not going to bother figuring out what that is. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, the one thing I have that's a little outside of that is one time I did the training where it's the jump up and hit the counter, and for some reason, my Magikarp went absolutely wild and broke the counter, and I got mm-hmm. 2,000 JP. Yes. From one training session, which yeah. is like much, much more than you would at any other time. Yeah, that's. But here's the thing: if you don't ever upgrade that the counter and you hit that again, two thousand JP is like nothing once you hit like level fifteen or sixteen. Like it's Aww. like I can eat one berry. There, are, uh, there are two berries out of the six I have that when I eat that berry, it's a thousand JP, or well, fine. whatever it is. So that's but yeah, like to answer your question, Will, every one of the training games games <laughs> every one of the training cutscenes has one of three results. The most common result is just your basic. So I think the counter one is a great example because it's very easy to see. So the basic result for counter is you get a hundred jumps. The I think it's called a good result. A great result is five hundred jumps, and then amazing effort, just all nines overflowing yeah, that screen as, yeah. as you mentioned and every one of those training cutscenes has its own variation of that like the dwebble or boldor pushes it's just like how far the dwebble or boldor gets pushed and then the punching bag is punched in off the chain vi- yeah the timber one you, you either don't really make a dent in the tree or you do that sort of thing and it, and it awards you larger amounts of jp as you notice i think you break the tree down get- the I don't think one. I've ever gotten amazing effort on timber, but yeah, yeah I think I the, like the tree is broken in half. A couple more things I want to talk about. How many shiny gold magic carps have you guys gotten? Zero, two or three. And and what generation magic carp are you on? Oh, let me see. It says generation right. twenty three. Okay, so I'm at generation twenty one. That's interesting because I did the. I did the whimsical one. Yeah, you did one. the EXP. You did the EXP thing. So you're you're probably right that I should have bought that. Yeah. But then so again, I'm you at... also bought diamonds. So yeah. So it was it was very easy for me to afford that pretty quickly because I think it's one of the more expensive ones. Have you lost so a too... lot of Magikarps to Pidgeot or Voltorb? Uh I want to say four or five. That's that's what I want to talk about. So I only had yeah. one gold Magikarp since then. It seems that everyone in Slack has gotten at least one gold Magikarp. But a couple people have gotten two or three, and I believe the gold Magikarp, correct me if I'm wrong, when you have it, every time it collects coins, it collects more coins. Yeah, that's, I mean, each Magikarp has an individual bonus in addition to the motivation bonus that's tied to your trainer's rank, and the individual bonus changes depending on, you know, which Magikarp you have, but the gold Magikarp's individual bonus is always an increase in the percentage of coins that you receive. Yeah, the most of the bonuses are like, oh, you get your 150 bonus for being on Magikarp number 16 or whatever. But then you this Magikarp has a 36... No, no, no. Like, every, e- even your average Magikarp has, yes, in that's addition the, that's to the below, motivation That's bonus. the number below it. Right. There are a lot of events in the game. There's the event where Magikarp gets lost. There's the event where Magikarp can eat the food off the tree. There's the event where Magikarp sees something in the water, sees a Pokeball on the ground. That weird tag team battle that like always goes the same way every single time, and I have I, again I haven't looked much up, so I mostly because I I'm I'm enjoying the surprises that come to me. Let's talk about the tree. So the the 
the tree, Magikarp can jump to eat the fruit, and that usually pays out pretty good JP, and that event does scale with your level. So if you're level 20, you're going to get a, a ton of JP compared to when you're level 2. I mean, you get a lot of JP for being level 2, but that event scales with your level. You run the risk of Pidgeot taking your Magikarp and losing and starting I over. wonder what the rate for that is. Maybe I just have really bad luck, but it seems like more often I get the raw end of the deal in the Voltorb and Pidgeot events. I've never, I think I did, I think I went for it three times with the tree, always got Pidgeot, uh, or Pidgeotto, I can't remember which it is. And then for the Voltorb one, I was just curious if it ever actually gave you coins, so I just did it every time it came up, presuming I wasn't, I, my Magikarp wasn't like a super high level, and that thing exploded in my face. <laughs> I think like five or six, like maybe five times before I actually got coins out of it. Wow. Yeah. I feel like uh, for me, all of them feel, feel pretty 50-50, feel pretty heads and tails. Will, have you experienced the, the, the Pidgeotto Pidgeot event? Nope. Okay. Nor the Voltorb event. Don't know what they are. Okay. So sometimes after you finish a training session, your guy will go, oh, Magikarp, let's take the long way home. And then that sparks one of these events. And one of yeah, the I've gotten that for the like let's swim home and then it's like all the the glitters yes. one which okay. you said is not dangerous. Yeah, the the so the glitter one will give you diamonds and the punishment is it reduces JP from you. It'll say like, "Oh, you lost 2000 JP." And it's like, "Okay, that's 30 seconds of my time lost." The the that one's a hunt always do it. Always always do that one. I would say that the Tree is never worth doing. I don't think it's ever worth jumping for the fruit. Because again, you can usually eat that fruit within, like, wait five minutes, wait for your fruit to fill up in the water, eat all that, and that usually equals the fruit you could have got from the tree. That's how I feel about it. I'll have to take your word for it. (laughs) I will not jump for fruit in the tree. The only way I would jump for fruit is if, like, my magic, like, if it's I just got the Magikarp and it's a basic Magikarp and it's like level 15 or something, where it's like, okay, this is my very first day with this Magikarp. I ate, I don't have any training, or I have one training. I decided that might be the only way because if it's like, if, if my Magikarp gets taken, I would be back at the begin uh, like i didn't really lose any time and it's possible that i could get a better magikarp than just the basic magikarp that i was just given 30 seconds ago that would be the only reason why i would jump um now the voltorb i think the voltorb's always worth doing so what happens wow. is like your mad your magikarp will see a pokeball and it will say like investigate or not investigate and if you hit investigate it's like are you sure yes or no and then it could either be a Voltorb, which will explode and kill your Magikarp, just like Pidgeotto takes your Magikarp away. Or it pays out coins, and usually a lot of coins. And again, just like the tree, the coins scale with your level. So when you're at level 2, you would get maybe 20 or 30 coins out of, I should say your trainer level, or generation level, not your actual Magikarp level. Your rank. So, your rank. So if you're rank two or generation three for your Magikarp, you might only get 20 or 30 coins. But when you're rank 21, uh, generation 20, it's going to pay out like 320 coins. 
And besides, like, getting 10 to 12 coins every five levels in the pool and getting, like, 15 to 16 coins per battle, 200 coins is a lot in... 200 to 300 coins is kind of a lot in... compared to what you normally get from just going through the game. Like, the only way I wouldn't... No, I I feel like I would I feel like I would always do the Voltorb. I don't think there's a situation not because the worst the worst thing that happens is you just start over and it doesn't I guess. it doesn't really matter. But I mean like I don't think I would do it if I had been sitting on a magic art for a long time. Right? Like if it like if like I'm at a point where it takes me a while to like level 31 is the cap I can get to with this magic carp. And if I were like level 30 and I got the Voltorb event, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, so here's my thing. So I I have a generation 21 magic carp. The rank I can get to is level 32. And I have two more gym I have two more battles left to beat the great league or whatever's whatever's after the heavy league. Yeah, great. And league. I I know that this level 32 magic carp can beat the second to last trainer, but I know this Magikarp can't beat the final trainer. Yeah, this Magikarp can go one battle further, but to me, seeing those coins and taking that risk isn't that big of a punishment because I know my, I my next Magikarp yeah. can beat that trainer and the next trainer anyways. Yeah. Some deep... <laughs> this is very high-level Magikarp math that's a bit beyond me. I don't think the one where Magikarp gets lost, there's no punishment for that. You can either like search for Is there is there no punishment? You can either search for Magikarp or you can wait and hope that Magikarp finds its way home. I've done both multiple times. I'm pretty sure if you do wait I'm pretty sure if you do wait, you're always found. At least every time I've done wait, I've always been found by mayor. By the mayor. I think if you search, there's a chance that I, I haven't seen it, but I imagine there's a chance you don't get found, and then maybe you lose some JP. I've never or lost. Doesn't yeah, seem I've like never lost any. When yeah. I do, like, with search is when mayor comes. No, other way around. Yeah. Sur- if you wait, then the mayor comes. Yes. If you search, then Magikarp will find find you. You're the trainer. Yeah, and I think you get more JP if Magikarp finds you because your your guy goes like, "Oh, Magikarp's so self sufficient." Right. But I don't know what happens if Magikarp is unable to find you, is I guess what I'm saying. Presuming that's an option. Yeah, I don't, I've never had that. There's the event where where you can yell at Magikarp. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. why would you do that? Because he's slacking. Yeah, so you can yell at Magikarp <sighs> or not yell. Sometimes when you yell, you get a training point back. And then sometimes when you yell, Magikarp loses JP because he's sad. And then if you don't yell, you just get JP for not yelling, is what I've come to. Yep. And tag battle, I don't know how that works. Because every time I do tag battle, Magikarp splashes, nothing happens, Pikachu thundershocks the yeah, Pidgeotto. It's the same, it's the same every time. It. It's just you get some bonus JP for, for watching a cutscene. So- I would be curious if you got like that Charizard or if you got that Bulbasaur or like Meowth? I have Litten and Litten never shows up. So. Okay, all right. What does Litten do? The same thing that Pikachu does, but but with more JP and on a higher cooldown. Hmm. Oh, I I mean that's just in in the pond. Is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, like, 
I would as um, well. But Lit- Litton, Litton has never shown up in tag battle. It's always okay. been Pikachu. Okay, good to know. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? I just need to get further in this game. So people, um, please stop asking me for answers because I ain't got them. Uh, well, get that. Like I said, get that Whimsicott plush because I think that one, as you can tell from Travis's and ours number, our the la la. As you can tell from the numbers between Travis and I, the Whimsicott plush clearly matters. Yeah, not, there's a not, slight not, difference. Yeah. Not that, that that that's that big of a deal, right? You're just you're just going through more carp. Right, and maybe I'm going through carp more quickly than are you because because Voltorb keeps exploding. <laughs> because of well, that too, but also maybe the items that I've bought. Right, like let me look at the other decorations I have. Let's compare our uh, uh, aquariums, fish tanks. I have so I have the sign. Yeah, I have the artillery pot. I have the sign that they give you. Yep. Um, and then I have the shaman. Okay. Planter. And then I have uh, Litten, Pikachu, and obviously Piplup. Oh, okay. So I have Octillery, The Sign, Shaman, Whimsicott, and the Executor Planter. And then I just have Pikachu on top. The Executor Planter gives you more coins per gym battle. Yeah. Uh, And since I knew that I would be going through from league battles, yeah, 12%. Since I knew I would be going through that Great League 100 times, because I think it's yeah. 15 or 20 battles that I I figured that would be a payoff there. Yeah. But you I can switch out decorations. Lit- and it's it's t- it's tough because like I made the choice to get Litten not knowing what Litten does and like and Litten finding out that Litten does the same thing as Pikachu is like oh okay, cool, but it's like I wish I had <laughs> wish I had known kind of you, you know pro- what I mean. Would you have done something else? Uh I mean I I probably would have just saved up for a a different w- Pokemon, because I like having the Pokemon pals over just a decoration that sits there passively. Yeah, I think I know what Charizard does, but I don't want to spoil it for people. I think yeah. I uh, a couple complaints about the game. Like I like I said earlier, I I adore this game. It's kind of everything I want because I I do like Tapper so much. I don't like that Piplup's in the water with me. I don't like it either because then when Manaphy comes, you accidentally tap it, and then it's like. Oh, hey there, it looks like you're trying to tap a Piplup. Well, you should check the amount of trainings you got up there stored up in your sleeve because you already got the maximum, so you're going to have to hit this OK button, and by the time you've already dis- dismissed this message right here that I'm reading to you, all the course will have gone on there, merry way, and you're not getting any food out of this food fever. Yep, that is my exact complaint. Like, I wish Piplup was more surface area. Or, like, just get out of my way. Also, sometimes I don't want to... Just wanna... get out of my way, Piplop. Som- sometimes I don't want to use your power. Like, sometimes I've only... I Like, sometimes I have two out of three training sessions, and I want to use those other two training sessions before I use your power, Piplop, because it's possible that those two training sessions can get me to max level, and then I can go do my Great and League, then you get, your... get my Magikarp yeah. dead, come back, and then you're still active because I haven't used you yet, but sometimes... Manaphy comes, and I accidentally click you, and now I wasted that training session because I know that Food Fever will get me to that max level. And get out of my way. <laughs> Piplup! I'm giving Piplup no candy. All my candy's going to Pikachu because I like Pikachu's power way more than Piplup's power. You'll probably like Litten. <laughs> the other complaint I have 
which is a kind of a minor one, is this game is really slow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, going between training sessions to, like, walking home to going between even gyms you've already done, it has that skip feature, which is great. But then it shows you the record at the end, and then it closes, and then your trainer slowly walks to the next gym. It's it's kind of hard to get in and out really quickly. Like, I can get in and out and eat. That's not a problem. It's once you start doing training sessions or gym battles, it just feels so sluggish. And if they... Like, I know my iPhone can run this game. I, I know it's not the limitation of the hardware. It's the actual software itself. Yeah. But that's, that's really my only complaint. My, my, my main complaints are Piplup needs to get out of my way. And I just wish the menus were a little bit faster. Otherwise, like, for a Pokemon game, I think it's great. Uh, I played a little bit of Mola Mola last week, like I said I, was, I would. And even though it's a very similar game... It's it's kind of like the the comparison to Ingress and Pokemon Go. They're pretty much the same games, but that Pokemon connection just makes it feel like it has so much more character, so much more depth. It's just really great. I'm 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 really enjoying it. I feel like I will get to rank 51, which is the max rank at this point. I don't feel burnt out on it even though I've probably played it I don't even know how long. I've played it a lot. Sounds like Travis has played it a lot, too, based on yeah. your, your rank. Uh, I didn't think we'd spend 41 minutes talking about Magikarp Splash. Or Magikarp Jump, sorry. Uh, it's really great. We'll probably have more to say next week when we get in. We don't need any emails correcting us that we're, we're wrong or, you're, or you know telling us what things are. It, it is very clear that we could look these things up. I just think that at least Travis and I, who are farthest in the game we were choosing not to look things up because of the sense of surprise like travis could have easily looked up what Lytton did right i could easily look up whatever but i'm i'm at the point where i kind of want to be surprised i'm sure that will end maybe in the next week where i just want to look stuff up and min max stuff but at this point you know no need for emails telling us what things do like i know i know where the resources are i'm just choosing not to look at them so if we got anything wrong apologies we got a lot of emails this last week, uh, but we're running long. I don't want to run terribly long, so we're only going to do two or three here. If you have an I'm email, ready. are you ready, Will? I'm ready. If you have an email, you can write to us, sbj at pkmncast.com, or you can go to pokemonpodcast.com and hit that contact button. Both will get to us. Uh, I said we had an e- email about the anime, so this email is from Ben from Atlanta, Georgia. A little bit of a long email, but here we go. Uh, this is says, hey guys, on episode 266, you discussed the quality of the Pokemon anime and whether the Sun and Moon series was better than its previous iterations. Not to reopen a wound, but here are some of my, tho- here are some of my thoughts and an example of how kids may feel about the show. TV shows are a storytelling medium, so for some, for for so for a season of a show to be considered better, storytelling should be part of its evaluation. Now, the storytelling is, by all accounts, terrible on the show, and frankly, in most of the games as well. To be fair, Pokemon as a franchise has never been about story, but more about atmosphere and atmosphere of an imagined world where people can control actions of mystical animals 
and bond over their shared experiences. A cool premise for an entire game, definitely, but since the anime is missing an interactive element that the game has, you need to add a lot more in the mix to be entertaining. The procedural shows follow a formula they would likely they would be impossible impossibly expensive to make them if they didn't following a formula doesn't mean you should also have bad dialogue and bland characters the people who write the pokemon haven't really ventured beyond the basic premise the game's presented until they do the show will continue to be terrible however evaluating any piece of media other elements are at play so the new season is better in some facets basically sound design art style but overall it's still an absolute piece of garbage as anecdotal evidence sorry about that getting got a little something in my throat there i was watching the first episode of the sun and moon with my brother-in-law because my wife has a blended family he is still rather young at 10 years old he loves pokemon to the point where he has all the matchup types memorized watches battle videos on youtube constantly collects and plays the card game even plays the brick bronze version of Pokemon on his phone. Third-party game. He watched quite a few episodes of the show, so we're watching the episode. I assume he loves it since he ab- he's absolutely in the target demographic for the show. Then around 10 minutes in the episode, he says, I've never been so bored. He's a smart kid and says funny phrases like this a lot. And I figured he just needed to be coaxed to watch a little bit more and maybe he'd get invested into the plot. We watch another five minutes, and he asks if we can stop watching it. I gratefully oblige his request. It's just one example, but even somebody completely primed to, at very least, sort of liked the show, found it absolutely boring. In closing, dear God, do never talk about the anime on your podcast. Ben. Uh, all I would have to say in response to this email is that child is obviously very gifted and above average intelligence for his age. and. That's that's all. There you go. <laughs> Are you Congrats saying to that kid? Dumb kids watch Pokemon. Yes, average kids watch Pokemon. I'd just say that I there's nothing in that email that I really disagree with. Uh, I think that's mainly the point I was making. That sure we can concede that the storyline itself hasn't improved, but other aspects of the show have, and that I. In the because so many people dump on the Pokemon show exclusively, I think it's okay for me to be a voice that says, "Hey, these other aspects of the show, other than storyline, have improved." It's, that's uh, and I think I think it's it's worth saying that. I only dump on the show. <laughs> I don't know. Why I think that word's dump. Uh, I only dump on the show because I do want it to be better. You As, only I yell at your Magikarp that. because it was slacking. Yeah. I get it. I yell at my Magikarp every single... I want the training points. I'm not going to disparage anyone who criticizes the show. I just don't see that many people saying... I, I just don't see as many people noting like how f- much funnier the show is in this season than it has been. So I, I see more voices saying, uh, continuing to criticize the story, and I think they're correct. I don't see that many voices saying... Hey, look, the jokes are better. The characters are more well drawn. Like Lily's arc actually makes has she has like a character arc in the sense that she's scared of Pokemon at first, and then I won't spoil what happens later, but uh you can guess. <laughs> like the like there are things that happen in this season um that make me happy, and I haven't felt that way 
for previous seasons. I don't see many people talking about that, so I am happy to be the apologist for those aspects of the show. I don't think that that's necessarily mutually exclusive with my agreeing that the storyline itself isn't very interesting, although I I will continue to defend to some extent the formulaic or or repetition type story because that's like a there's a tradition of that in kids media so i i guess those are my only points so i don't really have many disagreements with this email yeah I, I i you know the thing the thing i was voicing last week was the 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 actual story that that goes into pokemon and i said last week i also said in slack like kids aren't dumb kids can follow a story pretty well they're you know i was kids are pretty dumb let's debate that because they are <laughs> i was eight nine years old following you know a dragon ball z story and Kakarot! you know i just do a I just do a decent vegeta and thought i should i uh i was smart enough to realize that dragon ball z is nothing but filler you remember that entire episode in the Majin Buu saga that was just Goku going Super Saiyan 3 and his hair grows a little bit at the end where the a good like 10 minutes of the episode are just like shots of like abandoned cities as like birds are flying and then you hear Goku yelling in the distance just going <laughs> as it's my favorite episode of the show as much filler as Dragon Ball Z is, they do a really good job at like at least hooking you and making you want to watch the next one. That is correct. So I did my homework. I did my homework. Look, I'm not going to come on the show and complain about something without experiencing it. It was like the same thing from No Man's Sky. I knew No Man's Sky was garbage. I bought it anyways because I needed to know. I needed... I I wasn't going to sit there and say No Man's Sky is garbage without playing No Man's Sky. Like, I wanted to know. So I, I watched the ma- some Pokemon anime, some Sun and Moon, this week. And I said, I said this before, I enjoyed the first two episodes. My main complaint was the theme song. Didn't really dig it. You know what? I've warmed up to the theme song. It's growing on me. I don't think it's as good as Pikachu leaving Pat Rat hanging dry. But it has moments. And to say what Travis said... There's things in the show that has made them happy in aspects. I totally see that. When Lana saved, spoiler, when Lana saved Poplio from Team Skull, that was a very heartwarming moment of like, yeah, Poplio, that's my boy Poplio. Sweet. I like Poplio a lot. Glad Poplio is not getting harassed by Team Skull. That is heartwarming. That's really good. Beware. I went back, rewatched that Mimic Mimic You episode again. Beware. Fantastic. I want to see more of yep. Beware. Not I'm, I'm not a fan of Wobbuffet. Wobbuffet has had their time to shine. I can agree to that, sure. My only other thing is I I still do care about the story and my argument against Travis was yes, I'm, there's no denying the animation is better. There's no denying the voice acting most of it's better. I wouldn't. Uh, Sophic- I can't speak to that because I haven't seen the dub. Sophocles, American voice actor, is is one of the most nails on a chalkboard thing I've ever heard in my life. I never <laughs> want that character to speak. Rotom Dex is extremely charming. There's like a point where Ash goes, 
oh man, this is so awesome. And Rotom Dex is like, I don't know what awesome means. And Kakui is like, awesome means like great. And Rotom Dex is like, oh, so awesome means great. Rotom Dex is so great. And then like repeats that throughout the show where he's like, I'm great. And it's like, <laughs> all right, that's, that's really good. So I'm going to continue to watch Sun and Moon. I am still going to be critical about how that story is being told and if it's if it if it breaks that form i'm not saying it needs to break the formula and it needs to be an oscar winning show but when i think because tv shows win win emmys not oscars (laughs) that's yep (laughs) i want pokemon to be the first tv show to win an oscar is what i'm saying all right all right my main complaint against travis's argument was i don't like i said i don't think that in improving while it might matter, I don't think approving the animation or the voice or whatever is that much of a step. And I only think about that as, like, look at a show like Pip My Ride. I'd rather not. So Exhibit comes, Exhibit sees your $1,000 beater, and Exhibit pimps that ride. And all of a sudden, your car is looking good. The Pokemon Sun and, Ma- Sun and Moon anime is looking good. That car probably has a toaster oven in it. Pokemon Sun and Moon, they have toaster ovens that... Beware, that's my toaster oven. I'm glad Beware has been added to the show. I'm glad a toaster oven is in my car. They add a bunch of subwoofers in the back of your pimped out ride. Pokemon anime adds Poplio. You know, anytime Poplio says Poplio, I'm down with that. But at the core, your car is still a junker because Exhibit doesn't touch your engine. So while you might have the best looking car, while the Sun and An- Moon anime might look really good, that story, the drive of that story, the drive of your car is still garbage. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll totally agree. I just, I just think not as many people are out there saying, oh, cool, it has a toaster now. Like... I don't see many people saying that, so I will be that person. And I think it's important that people recognize that there are those improvements, even if, as you say, those improvements aren't core to the experience of the show. I think media, when we're especially uh, visual media and um, like TV and movies, especially, are such a composite of different elements, right? Like so many people work on them in so many different aspects, like. Someone who is, you can have a job as, like, the animator, right? And you have, you can't, like, touch the story at all. Which is so different than if you were, like, writing a book. Because the one person has control over every element. Um, but when we're talking about mediums that are this collaborative, I, I still think it's very important to eat, to talk about the toaster ovens and the subwoofers. Because there's people whose entire job is to make that subwoofer <laughs> and to make that toaster oven. And... I don't hear many voices that are praising the work of those folks. And I think that because those aspects have improved, it's important that some people praise them. I'm happy to be that person. I am never going to look to Pokemon as being like an amazing storytelling vehicle because I get that from other things. And I would be stunned if Pokemon ever got to a place where I thought this is good storytelling. So I'm it would be 
unhealthy for my soul to constantly harbor <laughs> a distaste for Pokemon storylines because it's not going to change. So I'm willing to praise them for the things that are changing and are improving. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. It could change because it's now on Cartoon Network, right? You mean Disney XD? Disney XD, Disney yes. XD. Sorry, yes. Really, I pulled this email. What I only pulled this email so I could make the pimp my. Uh, I wanted to bring up pimp my ride. Is really. I think that's a very good analogy, ride. actually. Yeah, the whole reason. <laughs> yes. Um, and like I said, I, I I'm just happy. I, I'm happy. There's a toaster oven now. Yeah, I've seen now four or five episodes of the Sun and Moon anime. I actually do want to watch more. I'm critical of everything, so. Uh, well, you know, we might bring it back up in the future. Who knows. Let's just do one more email just because we're running so long. Uh, Richard writes in from uh, Greater Manchester, UK. Here's the thing. Oh. Here's the thing. Do people call it the UK or do they call it Great Britain? Uh, they certainly call it the UK depending on which part of it they're in. Is UK yeah, all of it? T- technically, those the terms United mean Kingdom? two different things. Yeah. Um, United Kingdom includes Northern Ireland, Scotland, Britain, and Wales. Okay. Which are like like it's kind of like if you were just saying um is it okay if people call it big wisconsin even though it's like minnesota <laughs> i see right? they're, they're different states so the uk is like the usa and then britain is like a state inside yeah. no 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 because like like like, in, uh, like because i know i know britain let's get i know britain is a country, not a state, obviously, nope. but I'm just saying it's nope. like... No, Britain... no. Britain is not a country. Oh, England, England is the country. England, England, is, a country? Is, a country. England, England is, is the country. country. So Britain what is Great is Britain? The... Great Britain is, it... is the name of the island, like the geographic yeah. island of Great Britain, which contains England, Scotland, Wales. What? Yeah, and then Northern and then... Ireland's over there on Ireland because they never gave that part back. So, so, like, Northern Ireland, or Ireland generally, is not included in Great Britain, which is just the island that has England, Scotland, and Wales. So that's why you say the United Kingdom, because that includes that nation's territory in Ireland, specifically Northern Ireland. Does that make sense? So if I say... I, w- I might also be wrong, but I think I'm if right. I s- If I say UK, I'm kind of covered. Yeah. Yes. Whereas if I say... England or Great Britain, I might offend people that are in Ireland. Yeah, if someone wrote in from Glasgow and you're like, oh, you wrote in from England, they probably wouldn't be too happy. I see. Yeah, or if they wrote in from Cardiff. I have no, no one clue. Lives in Cardiff. <laughs> I have no clue where these places are. Uh, Richard Come writes everybody. in. Everybody. <laughs> says, Dear SBJ and team, I, have, I am a new fan. I've been listening since January of 2017. Thank you so much, Richard. You have made my weekly 600-mile round-trip commute to work bearable. I hope it's not like 600 miles a day. No, he said weekly. No, weekly. Yeah. Once a week. That's like 100 miles a day, though. If you're, well, six days a week. Anyways. I particularly, uh, blah, blah, blah. I particularly enjoy your live streams from conventions such as PAX. I've also, I have also started to watch Digimon again and have been told by my girlfriend that I am cheating on Pokemon. However, I have room in my heart for both. I am a firm believer that no one is too old for Pokemon, and my team should consist of the ones you love rather than strong ones. This has given me fairly poor results at online competitions. However, I am getting better. I have a few questions for you. One, what is your favorite Digimon? Mine is Kabuterimon. Two, 
Will you attend any events or conventions in the UK? Three, do you have any tips for somebody new to competitive, especially if I'm trying to build a team based on Pokemon I like? And four, have you tried a Nuzlocke playthrough of any of the games? If so, what are your impressions of it? Uh, in closing, my favorite game is Heart Gold. My favorite Pokemon is Gengar. Livid with the decision to remove its Levitate ability. I have no favorite for an ISE team, as it makes it amazing with every one of you being so different. Keep going, and I'll attempt to find a wet burrito to try. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> oh, skip the wet burrito, dude. No. <laughs> Gotta go to the Beltline Bar. Grab know, yeah, Michigan. there you go. I've never been to the Beltline Bar is the thing, though. I don't know enough about Digimon. I've seen some of the original show. What's the one where it's, like, floaty and doesn't digivolve until, like, way later? Patamon, probably. Let me see if that's the one I'm thinking It looks of. like the Pikachu. Patamon Padamon. is one that doesn't... Patamon is, like, the last one to digivolve in the first series. Yeah, Patamon is my favorite. Yeah, Patamon's cool. Patamon digivolves into Angelmon. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Digimon. Hmm. I really like Wizardmon. Uh, oh, I really, I like all the Dark Masters a lot, which is Puppet, Puppetmon, I think it's Mega Seedramon, uh, Machinedramon, and Piedmon. Piedmon's kind of the, the weaker of the, but Puppetmon's really good, and Puppetmon's story arc is really, really good, too. Hmm. I like Zudomon, which is the ultimate form of Ikakumon. I like a lot of Digimon. Wizardmon is pretty great. I probably I'll, right now I would say Wizardmon. Uh, will you attend any events in the UK? Well, first uh, we gotta figure out what it is. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not like a PAX in the UK at this point. I can I can assure you that definitely not in 2017. I have I have personally never been out of out of the United States. That would be a first for me. But I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Do you have that any tips? Fun. Yeah, that would be. Uh, do you have any tips for somebody new to the VGC uh, based on Pokemon I like? We've talked about this before. I'll just give my two cents. Travis and Will, you can chime in. I would look at the meta that is currently pick one or two of those Pokemon, probably like the legendaries being used or, you know, the Garchomps of the world or the Arcanines, and then pair that with the ones you like and try to get a good flow there. That way you're not completely committing to the meta, but you're also using Pokemon you like. Yeah, I would I would basically say the same thing, but in the reverse direction. Like, look at the Pokemon. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to be that successful with a team, unless the Pokemon you happen to like are the Tapus. Like, like unless, the, yeah. unless the Pokemon you like are already the meta, you're probably not going to be able to use a team that's just six Pokemon that you like very much, unfortunately. Well, you can, but you likely won't be very successful. And I've, that's a sad thing to say, um, but unless you're, like, really, really good, that's probably just true, unfortunately. So what I tend to do is pick one or two of those Pokemon that already have interest, maybe some interesting synergy together, or maybe just one that you really, really like, and then build a team around it that can fit within the meta. So, for example, the team I was using for quite a while, I really like Vanillux. Um, luckily, Vanillux isn't that... We actually talked about it last week for Pokemon of the Week, um, and Vanillux isn't that bad in the meta. It's not one of the most used Pokemon, but it gets some usage. 
and then try to build out from there like Vanillix has weaknesses. So like what Pokemon do I need to pair it with to shore up those uh shore up those holes essentially and um a lot of people who are running Vanillix run it with Tapu Finny for a variety of reasons. So sort of like figure out the people that are using the Pokemon you want to use, what do they use with it? Figure out why that's the case. A uh, good resource, uh, there are a lot of analytics websites that can tell you for people that use, say you really like... Um, Gollum. Say you really like Gollum, although I'm... Uh, yeah, say you really like Alolan Golem. Uh, I use Peakalytics a lot, although I'm not sure if that's the best anal- VGC analytics website. I th- think... I mean, I've had... I like Peakalytics a lot, peakalytics.com. Then I would just search... Uh, I'm searching under the VGC 2017 for Golem. Here it is. It's only used by 0.09% of teams, according to their analytics. But on the column on the right, it shows who are their common teammates. So of the people that use Alolan Golem, 40% of them are paired with Oranguru. And then if you sort of look into why people are doing that, you can sort of take a Pokemon that's maybe not that great, but build a team around it that does fit in with the meta meta, and does have some synergy with it. So does that make sense at all? Certainly does. That's Uh, what I would recommend. Will, have you tried a Nuzlocke game playthrough of the games? And if so, what are your impressions? Nuzlocke? Yeah. I can't. No, no. I literally like my Brejex. I still have. I don't ever no my my Pokemon are with me forever ever 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 no, I, I cannot do Nuzlocke I feel the same way uh so my answer to that would be I have done Nuzlocke's before I've never finished them because inevitably I lose a Pokemon I really like and then I get too sad to continue so I don't really exactly. do that anymore there there are so many different variations of Nuzlocke's I I you can just look at uh our friend Maryland that dude's running a different Nuzlocke that I've never heard of every single week. You ever think about how the that terminology comes from a cartoon that drew Nuzleaf as the character John Locke from the television program Lost? Is that? You ever think about how that's how we get the word? Yep. So yeah, uh, yeah. The, the first I think per- about that all the time. Yeah, it's someone, the first uh, thing I think of when I wake up. John <laughs> Locke, the the person who popularized that um, type of. Uh, challenge run uh drew a comic of prog of i don't know if this what this person's pronouns are so i'll just say that like i don't know uh, so they drew a comic at to show their progress and one of their pokemon was a nuzleaf because it was gen 3 and they always drew it as uh like a nuzleaf with the face of terry o'quinn who played john locke in tv's law abc's lost and and then just the entire challenge itself started be- to become known as Nuzlocke. And that's just such a weird piece of history in the Pokemon fandom that always, whenever I'm reminded of it, I think, huh, lost, huh? All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I was to do a Nuzlocke, I would probably do one in the, will you stop texting me your Magikarp? <laughs> and text yourself I, I was accidentally like test, te- texting wrong people because I, I was typing in Steve too fast that I was texting wrong people Magikarp stuff uh, anyways if I was to do a Nuzlocke I would do something of like if a, if a Pokemon died which means you have to remove it from your team I would give it to somebody um, 
instead of releasing oh, trade it. it away. Trade it away. That's an interesting. Like take most on people that. are doing. Like most Nuzlocks now are Twitch slash YouTube related. Of people want to watch Nuzlocks and people want to play Nuzlocks with other people watching. You know, if you were playing by yeah. your, if you were playing by yourself, you no one's gonna care slash know if you're releasing or getting rid of Pokemon. But if you have an audience in some aspect, they care as much as you care. So to be so to like trade that to somebody. Rest in peace, Miss Beekman. Yeah. So to like get rid of somebody to somebody who's also following along, like that, like that memory at least lives on, and you're at least following the rules of okay, I'm gonna have to get rid of this Pokemon, but somebody else can enjoy that and have that forever. That's at least what I would do. That'll wrap it up for emails. Uh, we had, a, like I said, we had a lot of emails, a lot of really good ones. We will get to those next week. Uh, just with the interview. Uh, I didn't want to run the, have the show run too long. Keep emailing in. Uh, breaking, breaking news incoming. I just did the Magikarp Adrift event, went to search for my trainer, and Magikarp has not found me. It ended up wandering alone and lonely until night fell. Magikarp is so tuckered out that its JP went down by 3.97k. So that's confirmation uh, that it's not too bad of a, um, okay. a negative it's not like if you a, go search on Magikarp Adrift. It's not like a Kadabra comes and steals it like Pidgeotto or something. At least not for me right then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so SBJ at PKMNCast.com or PokemonPodcast.com. That's, when, that's where you can shoot over your emails. Travis has your Pokemon of the Week, a move set, and I will give you some fun facts about it. And then we will house clean up this show. So it's all you. The Pokemon of the Week this week is Machamp. Machamp, ha- I'm going to give you two movesets coming from folks from our Pokemon of the Week Slack channel because the ability you choose on Machamp is going to have a pretty large effect on what moveset you are going to end up with. Machamp's two abilities are both pretty cool. One of them is No Guard, which is one of my favorite abilities in the game just because of how interesting it is. No Guard has an effect where if a Pokemon with No Guard is out on the field, all moves it uses and all moves used against it are treated as if they are like moves like Swift, where they can't miss, or Magical Leaf, moves like that, that have uh, that are guaranteed to hit. Not even just 100% accuracy, but like if, even if your accuracy is lower, they're still guaranteed to hit. Um, there's obviously a plus and a minus to that. The, the minus is that your opponent's never going to miss when attacking your Machamp. The plus is that you can build a set around moves you wouldn't normally, specifically for Machamp, uh, the move Dynamic Punch, which normally only has a 50% accuracy. Uh, it's a fighting move with 100 base power, 50% accuracy, and a 100% chance on hit to confuse the target. But with no guard, you're going to hit every time and confuse every time and deal a lot of damage. Um, the other ability is an ability that comes up, I feel like, a lot in Pokemon of the Week, which is Guts. Guts is an ability where your attack is going to be boosted if you are affected by a non-volatile status effect, so your paralysis, your poison, uh, or burn. Um, And so in that case, you're going to put a a flame orb on there to inflict burn on yourself so that uh, your moves will be, the power of your moves will be increased. So let's go with the no guard set first. This one comes to us from Slack user Brandon. This is Machamp with Assault Vest and No Guard. Assault Vest 
I think we've mentioned before, is an item that increases your special defense if, uh, well, it increases your special defense and prevents you from using moves that don't deal damage directly, um, so your set is going to be all direct damage dealing moves. Um, the EVs are going to be 252 in HP, 252 in attack, with your remaining four in defense. This goes to show that uh, you're trying to make the Machamp as bulky as possible. Um, and then Brandon also recommends to team this up with Pokemon with uh, Trick Room. And so because of that, you're going to use Brave Nature and put zero IVs in speed. The moveset is going to be Dynamic Punch, as we mentioned, because it's so great with No Guard. Uh, Knock Off, just because it's one of the best moves in the game. Uh, Stone Edge for coverage. Uh, and then either Bullet Punch for priority uh, or Poison Jab for more coverage. Um, and then Brandon recommends pairing with a Porygon 2 or a Mimikyu as a user to set up Trick Room. Yeah, Trick Room is can be kind of powerful. So, yeah. Uh, the second set, Slack user Steven with some assistance from Slack user Gabe. And this is also a Trick Room set. Um, but this is with the ability Guts, using the item Flame Orb, as I mentioned, to activate that ability. It's going to be 252 EVs in HP and 252 in attack, with the remaining four in special defense. Uh, and then the same way, you're going to do zero speed IVs and a brave nature, with the moves Protect, Close Combat, Knock Off, and either Bullet Punch or Poison Jab. So actually quite similar movesets, just swapping out uh, close combat for dynamic punch and then using protect because you're not uh, having assault vest on this set. Um, but they function kind of differently because with the dynamic punch set, you're really relying on being able to confuse a lot of things. Whereas with the gut set, you're just trying to one hit KO as many things as possible with a very strong close combat. And then the the pairing recommendation is actually the same for the first set. So a Porygon 2 or a Mimikyu uh, to set up trick room there you have it machamp if you are blessed with a shiny machamp you're gonna get a good old teenage mutant ninja turtle green instead of the uh i don't know bluish gray that like stonewashed gray color that machamp already is in the pokemon red and blue beta machamp was originally known as judo this name is a common corruption of judo a fighting style Machamp could be seen as a counterpart to Alakazam. They are both last stage of a three-part evolutionary family. Both were introduced in Gen 1. They will reach their final stage by trading. They both have a 75% male-gender ratio. Also, Alakazam excels at the special attack stat, while Machamp excels at the attack stat. Moreover, the girl in Oberg City will trade her Abra for a Machop. Whew! Machamp can also be the counterpart to Konkeldur evolutionary line. Both of them are fighting types Pokemon who, whose attack is the highest stat. They both have below average speed. They both share the same base stat total. They have the same gender ratio. They both have three evolutionary stages. They both reach their respective final evolutionary stage through trading. It's fun to know. Machamp too, seems to be based on a bodybuilder or a wrestler. Let me correct you, Bulbapedia. Clearly, Machamp is a wrestler. Look at the title around its waist. Come on. Exactly. But don't, uh, don't like bodybuilders. Uh, weightlifting champions also trophies. have really big belts. They win trophies. Mm. Not, not belts slash titles. Seeing as it has 
more than two arms and blue skin, Machamp might also be based on a Hindu god, perhaps Shiva or Vishnu. 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 I would say Machamp's a wrestler. The Shiva and Vishnu connection seems like a stretch to me. Uh, isn't Shiva like an ice goddess? Definitely is in Final Fantasy. I'll tell let's, you that. Let's, mm, yeah, no. no Her no, depiction in Final Fantasy. Down that path. Shiva is the destroyer. Well, uh, she destroys in Final Fantasy. Correct. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Shiva's not. Shiva isn't. Uh, like there's so much depth there. It's you can't even scratch the surface. So don't even try. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 that's, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's a very fair. strong westernization and sort of uh, a generalization of a principle that is is much more deeper than than we have time to go into. True. Um, and a lot of uh, deities in Hinduism are represented with multiple arms, but that's just to show different aspects of their uh, what they represent in in a single. You know, it, it's it's a it's a what do you call it? Trick that you use in art. That you you know it's just function. It doesn't mean that they actually think of the deities as having multiple arms. Hmm. All right, I'll take your word for it. Let's do some house cleaning here. There is some shirts, stickers, buttons. No buttons. Shirts, stickers, and some artwork on Pokemon <laughs> on PokemonPodcast.com. I think I'm actually out of buttons finally. So if you're interested in in like an it's super effective shirt or something uh just jump over to pokemonpodcast.com that stuff is there uh, it's all printed it's all in my house so when you order i will ship it as quickly as possible uh if i only i don't have all international stuff set up because i have to calculate the pricing for that individually uh so if you are shipping to like japan which i know isn't set up and you're interested in that just uh, DM me or Slack me, and I'll set that up for you specifically. I'm not going to set up 50 different countries if if people aren't ordering. So, but I know like Canada and Mexico, I think are definitely set up. Uh, we have a subreddit, reddit.com/r/super-effective. That's a place. And finally, we have a Patreon, Patreon.com/it's-super-effective. Just put the it's there, and we have some cool rewards if you want to check those out. If if not. You made it this far, so thank you for listening. Uh, that is that is really all that matters at the end of the day, is you listening to my voice, complain, you gave me an opportunity to talk about Pimp My Ride, which I thank you for. It's all good. Uh, we'll be back next week with some Magikarp Jump, some more, some, uh, some other information. Uh, don't forget to go over to GameStop and get your nighttime Lycanroc. Your werewolf like what is it called? Nighttime form, darkness, midday and midnight form. There you go, midnight. Uh, get your like like and rock before uh, before that event ends. Will is at washing the sink. Travis is at the Travis W. I am at dragging a lake, and the podcast is at Pokemon Podcast. Feel free to tweet to any of us, uh, telling us we're right or wrong. We get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me I'm wrong. I don't like that. Yeah, or even the podcast. We love to hear your feedback based off these episodes. Uh, and uh, the Slack podcast channel is also a great place to uh, voice your opinion about the podcast, what you liked, what you didn't like, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been another episode of, 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 of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are super effective. Super Goldeen. 
keep that dog clean in 2017. Just wanted to give a big shout out to Wally. You can check him out uh, over at drunkontacos.com. And if you want to be part of the shout outs at the end of the episode, you can jump over to patreon.com slash it's super effective and sign up for the producer tier. But again, a shout out to Wally. You can check out his stuff over at drunkontacos.com. 